internet, welcome back to the Fast Travel Lounge. You're listening to episode 17. My name is Patrick, I am joined by... Oh, had to catch myself there, I was about to say Seth and Steve, but no, it is Seth and Josh this week. Say hi everyone. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. Unfortunately, Steve, hold up, he, he sent us a note. I am at Clown College, be back next week. Well, hopefully, uh, Clown College goes well. Looking forward to hearing all about his deployment. I, yeah, hope it goes well. But it means that we got Josh back. Josh survived uh, the underwater level from two weeks ago and enjoyed it so much he went back to 100% of last week. Josh, how you been? <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really need to listen to the other episodes to understand that reference, I think. <laughs> you, you've had such a long time to catch up on all the content we've put out. What have you been doing? I've been studying and watching Naruto and literally about nothing else. <laughs> So when you went back to 100% the water level last week, uh, was there a platinum trophy involved, or was it just like a, like a stats thing for you? Uh, well, if it's a water level, it's probably a Nintendo game, and they don't have achievements. So let let's go with uh, just just uh, ego. Just just because you wanted to. Interesting. Interesting. Well, gotta save us before we go too much deeper into that never-ending sp- uh, spiral of hell. Uh, so, um. This week, uh, I think pretty much all of us have been playing a somewhat new release game, so that'll be interesting. Uh, we'll try not to fall into the trap of other episodes where we spend an entire extra hour because a game just came out, because uh, we've all been playing different new releases, which I think is 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 a change. Yeah, so instead of instead of a instead of an hour on one game, it'll be an hour on multiple games. <laughs> That's the hope we will have to see. But before all of that, uh, Seth. Do you have a phone update from Mr. Samsung himself? I do. So uh, last week I mentioned that I got a call, uh, well, a text saying, hey, uh, we don't have any parts to repair your phone, so we're just going to send you a replacement. Is that cool? Uh, it'll take like uh, two to three weeks. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, it came in the mail this Monday, so I've had my replacement phone for about a week now, and it's doing pretty well. Was it a new phone? Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, new new flip. Okay, so it wasn't refurbished. Yeah, nice. no, it wasn't refurbished. It was just from the box, brand new. It'd be funny if they sent you Stephen's broken one. <laughs> <laughs> that would that that would be uh, what what would that be like? Extended Samsungomatic uh universe theory, right there. Yeah, unfortunately, he had a older model than what I had, so they just sent me a pink phone as punishment. See, that would make it even funnier if they just sent you like an older model of the yeah, yeah. that you sent in. And, and it even has the note saying, this is Steve's old phone, take good care of it. <laughs> still got his background and everything. It's still got the, it's still got a crack on the screen, they never actually fixed it. <laughs> yeah. You can see the dates that he's booked in Clown College this week, because it's, <laughs> it's dropped up there on the calendar. You, you, you can see smudges on the screen where he's touched the screen after eating Krispy Kreme. <laughs> uh, did you actually get Krispy Kreme? Natural follow-up to any tech story we have on Fast Travel Lounge. Would it make you happy if I said yes? Yeah, just lie to me. <laughs> just, just, just this once. Yeah. Talk me through it. Okay, so um, uh, after getting the phone, I decided this is a very good opportunity to go get Krispy Kreme so I have a story for the podcast because all our good stories end with a trip to Krispy Kreme. Especially when they start with getting a new phone in the mail with which you didn't have to leave your house at all to get. So <laughs> now, now you know that, that going to get the Krispy Kreme is even more worthwhile because you made that choice. I braved the $2 a litre petrol prices just for this. <laughs> oh God. $2 a litre. Wow, that's cheap. Where'd you get that from? Uh, just around the corner. It just it, it was two ten the other day. Now it's 2 It's like, oh, it's going down. Oh man, I'd pay like $2.40. Please, please no. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, I, I would not fill up my petrol for that price. 
I had to. It was like literally empty and I had to get to work. <laughs> I would have just bust it. <laughs> I debated it. I was like, it would cost me less to pay for the fuel than it would be to, to take like an unpaid day off. So I better get, better get the fuel. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so this Krispy Kreme. I, I head to the local Krispy Creamery and uh, I order that set, that beautiful uh, $9.95 for two donuts and one milkshake. What flavor milkshake? Uh, I I am over uh, Steve's crimes against chalky milk, and I got a chocolate milkshake. Oh, nice! And nice. what about what about the Krispy Kremes? Were they original glazed? Both of them were original glazed. Yes. 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 Superior choice. Yeah, it's it's the best choice there. Maybe the custard filled ones, but they're not that good, honestly, from from Krispy Kreme. Uh they're they're fine. Yeah, I I think they're fine. I think I think the tiers are original glazed, and then I don't think it's controversial, but at least in New Zealand where I get my Krispy Kreme, uh, there's a uh, I just call it like a strawberry iced one, like it's it's like glazed, but like the the icing on top is just strawberry flavored, and that is surprisingly good, but not filled or anything, just just iced. Yeah, that and a chocolate one are pretty good. Yeah, man, Krispy Kreme has these um uh, these uh, really the cookie and cream donut. It's like filled it's filled with icing for cookie and cream, and it's got like crushed up Oreo on the top. That's really good, but super sweet. I can't eat into a whole one on one go. I have to like cut it in half. I feel like to to have a phone story and finish it with I got a I got a cookies and cream donut from from Krispy Kreme. That actually would have had to have been I got Steve's phone in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me that like cookies and cream is like CC and Krispy Kreme is KK and it should be CC and like the alliteration would have been so good, but it's just. It's not actually accurate. What, uh, Krispy Kreme cookies and cream? Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's like KKCC, not CCCC. Chocolate chick, say, uh, chick shake for Chine dollars and Chinese five cents. <laughs> you done that? <laughs> I, so, so an actual truthful Krispy Kreme fun fact, though, for the podcast is I found out they actually do sponsorships. Yo! We, we, could, apply, we could apply for a Krispy Kreme sponsorship, but it'd take we four should. to six weeks for... Uh, our request to be reviewed. Yeah, who cares? Do it just for the meme. How many donuts we gotta eat before we get in on that shortlist? <laughs> I I don't <laughs> know, but <laughs> for the bit, I'd be I'd be willing to put us down for it. But I also feel like in four to six weeks' time, we, Josh, you just want to break your phone so we still have Krispy <laughs> yeah. Kreme stories to talk about. <laughs> it's funny you say that because mine started now that I'm folding it, opening it and closing it. It started making cracking noises. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to me. <laughs> Right before yeah. you start getting that line down the middle. And oh, like, good. the screen protector is starting to come off on the middle, which, um, for anyone that doesn't have a fold, doesn't know, uh, you're not you're not allowed to take it off, because it like actually protects the phone when you're folding it and stuff. Well, it, it forms part of the hinge mechanism. I, I think it does, yeah. Because that, that, that's, what, that's what all the journalists did, was they, they got their review model and went, oh, there's a screen protector on it, <laughs> and then took it off, and then the phone broke. <laughs> Um, so like, yeah, I can't take it off and it's like starting to like bubble up everywhere down the middle. So I'm not sure if the cracks are because that's happening or if the cracks are happening and causing that. Oh, I see. Um, but it's at the moment, the screen is normal. So give me a week. <laughs> Sounds like you have a classic, uh, Samsung tech Krispy Kreme situation of which one came first. Yeah. 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 We will have to wait and see. Which means we have weeks worth of content to, uh, <laughs> uh prove our case to Krispy Kreme for that sponsorship. Oh, I thought you were going to say throttle well past the point of it being funny or relevant to anyone listening, but I will I take, I'll take your version. Border, to be um, honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, uh, I guess we'll go into round the lounge. Uh, Josh, 
you're the special guest star of being completely absent for the last two episodes. What have you been up to this week? <laughs> slash three weeks. Um, so while I've been like honestly just kind of working almost nonstop, um, I just needed some some downtime instead of just laying in bed staring at the roof. So I have been watching Naruto and playing Pokemon Black, so Gen Five, uh, because I don't know what year it is. Um, I <laughs> both of which actually throwbacks to the early twenty tens. Yeah, I, I think Naruto was like two thousand and nine. When did Pokemon Black release? Was that two thousand and eleven? Two thousand and eleven, I think. Yeah, over here anyway, yeah. because it came out around the same time the 3DS did, and that's when I got back into Pokemon. I bought a 3DS and then got Pokemon White. Yeah, no, it definitely came out on the DS though. Um, but... yeah, yeah, it was a DS game, but the the releases were right next to each other. Yeah, which is really weird, but yeah, I guess that's that's pretty normal for Pokemon to just randomly do things like that. Um, yeah, so I, funny enough, like, both of these things, uh, things that Steven's complained about that I haven't done, so I haven't seen Naruto, even though I watch a lot of anime, and I haven't played Gen 5 to completion because I just hated it, and now the one time I'm here talking about the stuff that he likes, he's not even here. <laughs> um, and then I've also, since Kirby came out yesterday, I've been playing a little bit of Kirby. We will look forward to hearing your first impressions with that. Seth, what about you? Uh, so I played and finished and platinumed it Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. And because I took the train to work for the first time yesterday, I also started up Gen 5 just so I could argue against Josh and his bad take <laughs> he's going to bring up. I Yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I, I needed it. Fr I needed it fresh in my mind, just so I could go. No, you're wrong. It's great. <laughs> and uh, I will break the host rule and talk about a game I've been playing, uh, probably more in depth than other little tidbits that I've been feeding over the last few episodes. In that, to round out the trifactor of new releases, I have been playing Tiny Tina's Wonderlands pretty much nonstop since it released, at least as of recording yesterday. So that will be fun to get into as well. Uh, I guess. What about you, Steve? Just chasing that pussy. <laughs> leave it in, leave I, it in so, so he can hear that edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, just, uh, just, I, for, just for the bit, I'll censor him out. It's <laughs> 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 so going, Steve. Bleep. And we refer to him like, hey, what's your thoughts on Gen 5, Steve? Bleep. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Well, um, I guess, uh, Josh, you've got picked. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk Gen Five and have Seth yell at you, or do you want to delay that and talk about Kirby first? Uh, I'll talk about Kirby first. Um, oh yeah, so Kirby. Obviously, you guys were discussing it, and I, I haven't listened back to find out your, you know, I guess impressions on the demo. Uh, Seth, you'll have to bleep that too. Uh, Josh, what you meant to say was that you listened and thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> our content on the uh, Kirby demo, but continue. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy looking forward to listening to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, <laughs> um, so it, it came out yesterday uh, as of the you know, time of recording. Um, so I've only really played about, I think, about an hour and a half, two hours. Um, it's really fun. Like, it's not the Kirby game I thought it was going to be from the initial announcement trailers. And I think maybe you guys probably would have discussed that a little bit in the uh, last episode. But it's very level based. So you jump into a level almost like Mario 3 3D World. So you jump into a level, there's usually a kind of like gimmick around that level and you just progress your way through and there's a bunch of little side tasks that you can do to rescue the little Waddle Dees and increase your score and um, build the town faster and whatnot or you can just sort of progress through. And it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty easy game. 
but it's very fun. It's very cute, and I just love Kirby games. I've played them since I was a kid, so I'm loving it so far. So that's interesting. Uh, probably won't spend too much longer on it because you know you haven't played it for that long. But I am curious to get your thoughts on what you thought the game was going to be and what you got. In- well, obviously, what you got instead was a 3D world type thing. But what did you think it was going to be? So my initial impression from the announcement trailer was that it was going to be uh, not not a level based world, but rather just an open exploration. Uh, kind of world and you know you could still have that segmented uh, like a Zelda kind of way or whatever or Metroidvania but it's not like that I it's actually yeah separate levels so I was really surprised that they when they jumped into the game um, and even the demo uh, they they basically jumped in and was like hey here's this level go complete it and then here's this level go complete it and it just it really didn't look like that in the trailers so I um I was surprised about that. I'm kind of surprised that out of all of us, I was the only one that looked at that and went, "Oh wow, they're doing Kirby but Super Mario 3D World." Yeah, no, I just didn't expect it at all. Um, they said like obviously that I think the there was a whole bunch of media around why they hadn't done a Kirby 3D game before, and they were saying that he doesn't translate well into 3D. Um, which, to be honest, you can see a little bit in the game. Well, I saw one person say that he was considered too round for uh, 3D games yeah. as well. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that too. He's like, you're too round and sad face for Kirby. Um, but yeah, like I can, I can kind of see that in this game, but they've done a really good job. Um, and so when I saw stuff like that being talked about, I thought that they meant into like a 3D rotate the camera open world kind of thing. And that's, that's not really what you have. It's still a very much uh, platformer. Your, your camera faces this way for this part of the map kind of thing. Um, it, you can't really yeah, adjust it, so it's kind of, but not really, um, isometric. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but like they've done a really good job. It's really fun. Um, the boss battles are interesting, which the Kirby games they've always had boss battles, but these are a bit, bit more. I guess honestly, they're they're kind of easier. Like the whole game itself is really easy because Kirby doesn't do much. <laughs> he either holds one ability to use a you know, holds one button, sorry, to to shoot an ability or to suck in things and shoot it out. Um, he has like a crouch and he has a jump and that's about it. You can move sideways and there's no, like, it's not like, um, there is actually a dodge roll, which I found out, which is really strange. He kind of like flips, but like a normal user playing Kirby wouldn't do that. So it's not like, like you're not actually fighting a boss as much as you are kind of walking around them and finding the opportunity to attack. So it's just a very scenic puzzle game, I guess, basically. <laughs> but that's that's all the Kirby game. That's a great way of describing it. In in the demo, I was feeling that with the boss fight there because it was it was very easy. Like his attacks seemed to go over Kirby a lot, or there was so much wind up you could just jump out of the way, no problem. So a lot of it yeah. was just me walking up to the boss's feet and just spamming the attack button. And I was using ice for that, so all I had to do was just hold down the one button while I uh, yep. breathed yep. ice on him, and he couldn't do anything. That was literally my experience today. <laughs> <laughs> on that same boss because I just beat the boss that was in the demo and I was like huh <laughs> this is kind of stupidly easy yeah. which I didn't mind but because it, it's a kids game I'm I'm hoping further worlds increase the difficulty a little bit because I know I know Kirby is like easy baby game for first platformer sort of thing but there was a little bit of like a sliding difficulty as it uh, gets further into the game so I hope that this does that yeah, like the, the old school Kirby games were, here's a boss, figure out its mechanic, and then you win, uh, for the most part. This was... Um, yeah, but even in the levels themselves, they sometimes put enemies in, like, tricky positions or whatever, and you had to work around them a little bit. 
So yeah, I, yeah. I kind of want to see that in the game itself, but like just from the what was in the demo, I felt like the beginning was even lower than usual Kirby beginnings. It was, and I think that's to help people adjust with the 3D change. Um, so I'm, I'm also hoping it's going to get harder, but I guess we'll have to, to wait and see. I'll get, give you guys a bit more updates. One thing I did want to mention, though, is that the demo itself isn't actually the first three levels. They're out of order. Oh, yeah, I figured they were out of order, but that was that first one still the first one, or was that also out of order? Uh, the first one was the first one, Okay. Uh, and then I think the second one that you did was like the third level, and then the fifth <laughs> level was the third level in the demo. Yeah, they they were all from the first world, but like out Have of order. Have fun following along at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I made the comparison to 3D World because, uh, one, it's obviously just a, a 3D Mario-based game that's very similar to this, though you can rotate the camera, but it's also got the same style hub world where you sort of like run between the levels and you can select them and it shows you what you've unlocked in them and your, your high score and whatnot. Um, and then you need a certain amount of the Waddle Dees rescued so that you can do the boss stage of that level, similar to the stars that uh, 3D World had. So they've obviously seen that that works for Mario and tried to adapt Kirby into that, which I'm not a massive fan of, but I can see like it works, right? I just, I don't want them being like, oh, Kirby's like effectively a Mario spinoff. I, I want it to be its own game still. So we'll see how that goes. Is that, I'll try not to invite too much more discussion, but is, is that just like gut reaction because you'd rather it just be a, like a linear set of levels or that it be whatever you, you do doesn't impact whether or not you take the boss out at the end? I think with the hub world scenario they've got where you've got the towns and you need to unlock Waddle Dees to go do things, having it not linear is fine, um, but it just felt like, you know, almost like a, a clone of what 3d world was it's like oh i see it, yeah, it okay. doesn't feel like they've taken any originality to it they've just gone hey here, here's some things that existed and worked in 3d world let's just apply that to kirby's 3d world game yeah and i'm like sweet. okay like that's maybe it'll change and you know as we level up the whole world maybe new things will unlock but yeah it's that that was my first impression so one last point before we end on Kirby. Uh, have you guys seen what they've actually done with the perspective in this game like with your attacks and how they correlate to enemy placement on screen because it's actually really neat how they've done this i haven't no okay no I'm, neither i'm going to send this through to you guys it's a very quick small video but basically as long as the camera looks like it's attacking an enemy that attack will count as hitting the enemy interesting oh i see huh yeah it seems like a good way to do it yeah it's it's a very interesting way to do it and also um uh just it's something that helps with like making this game work in a 3d environment as well yeah no that, that's cool i didn't know i'm gonna abuse that <laughs> um <laughs> kirby now hit scan confirmed yeah so, so to explain to people what's going on in this video they show like a side-on view of kirby throwing a boomerang and it hits an enemy and then they freeze frame it and they rotate the camera upwards to show that the enemy was actually like a few like, in like kirby. a z-plane behind where the boomerang is, but because the camera looks like it should hit, then it does uh, confirm that the hit that collided. Yeah, that's cool. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, I guess, before we wrap up, slash while we wrap up, is that uh, something I didn't expect in Kirby um, for the 3D world thing is that as you sort of explore the world, you can find, like, uh, well, you naturally unlock and you can find, like, basically time trial levels. So it'll dump you in and it'll say, like, hey, here's the mouthful mode for Cone or whatever, and you have to sort of use that ability to get through that level as quick as you can and to unlock a star. And they those things will then go back to your hub town and you can upgrade those abilities further. Um, 
and like that'll count for like the ice ones and the boomerang ones and stuff some of them are actually kind of hard um it's it's good i like it so i'm i'm glad they put those in there that's really cool yeah uh, okay a, so at least the, they put some challenge somewhere in the game which is good to hear yeah i mean I, it hasn't taken me longer than three tries to beat anyone yet but i may i'm still on world one so because they did like the same thing for um this game that they did for 3d world where you clear everything uh, in the world go to the boss stage and then it'll unlock the second world so then it like the fog clears and you can go there now so yeah i think that's the star allies approach for level progression in kirby games could be wrong uh, but I remember Star Allies doing something similar. Uh, possibly. I actually didn't play Star Allies. It was fun. It was literally like a, a um, Switch version of, uh, I don't know, a GBA Kirby title. Um, just because I know that you are such a big fan of how we talked about the Kirby demo uh, last episode. Shout out to episode <laughs> 16. Go back and listen to it. Uh, you've brought up two of the issues that I had with the demo, being that you can't rotate the camera and that I thought it was more of an open world type thing. I'm curious as to what you think of the sprint speed in 10 seconds or less. Um... Kirby running around, does it feel fast? Does it feel slow? Thoughts? So, yes and no. It, it feels, it feels <laughs> fine. It feels, okay, so it feels fast, right? But compared to other enemies, it feels quite slow. But in saying that, you have a crouch dash ability that makes you quite fast. And if you're using like the ice ability, then you do move quite fast because you're sliding. So I, it, it varies too much for me to say like it's good or it's bad. It's just the way it is while you have the abilities that you have. Yeah, because cool. we were uh, of the opinion that it felt like too much of a leisurely stroll sort of pace. Yeah, it, it is a little bit slow, but like if you combine it, yeah, with like the dashes and like the the dodge roll kind of thing that Kirby has, it, it's it's fine. Sweet. So maybe it's just a mechanic that I wasn't uh, as familiar with in the demo. Um, out of ten, you've only played it for ninety minutes or what have you, three hours or what have you. But impressions out of ten? Uh, at this point, like a seven and a half. Sweet. We'll get more info from you next week. I assume, probably. Yeah. <laughs> As long <laughs> as you find another underwater then. level to get lost in. Uh, shall we switch it up to both of you discussing the uh, Gen 5 you've been playing? Uh, first of all, what started it? Uh, I guess that's a question to you, Josh, because you're the one that, that started this. Um, I needed something to play while I was basically waiting to fall asleep or while I was on a train or whatever, um, which I guess is basically why Seth's playing it as well. Um, and I've replayed all the Pokemon games to death, basically, uh, e excluding Gen 5, because I've played Pokemon Black and done I've, I've beaten the game but not done any of the post game and i never played number two because i kind of hated the first one so now that i've actually revisited like pokemon x and y went from my least favorite title after black and white to one of my favorites after i've replayed them all recently um i thought i'd give this another go and yeah i mean it, it's okay so far um but yeah i guess we can discuss that a bit more in a sec but Seth, why did you start just the train right yeah so i've got to start to catch the train regularly in like a week and a half so i was like you know what i haven't played pokemon sword and shield so i'll probably start playing that on a train ride and then josh said oh hey i'm playing gen 5 and i've got bad opinions on gen 5 so i'm like <laughs> you know what for the podcast i need to play it so i can at least be so it's at least fresh in my mind and i can actually discuss this proper uh, properly like not so just you can tell in, me like, i'm wrong with evidence oh no gen 5 is great gen 5 is great i love it but like actually have like a refreshed memory of like everything in that game fair enough uh my question to you seth then is that do you find it easier to catch the train when it's status affected or do you just get it to low health and then great ball it? <laughs> god damn it <laughs> you see i i just sprint because then the, the um encounter rate is more often ah yeah <laughs> 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 I, I knew I knew using that max repel in a in a train station was a bad idea. 
if I like get to the train station one day and I see you running up and down the platform because we, we catch the train from the same platform, I'm gonna laugh so hard. <laughs> and, and the train just appears. I'm actually catching the train from the one earlier now. And uh, at an no. earlier time, I, I gotta start oh. catching the train at 6.30 in the morning. Oh, I start work at 7 these days, so it's too, too early for me. Too late for me, rather. So, uh, so more, more genuine question to you, Seth, because uh, I believe you and Steve both have Gen 5 as one of your favorite gens. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, so weirdly, Gen 5 is the one gen that I skipped just because I never had, uh, like, I had uh, a DS and played through Pearl, I think, like, really sort of around when it launched and then just sort of stopped with the DS for ages and then picked up a 3DS and Pokemon Y, so I've sort of skipped Gen 5 as well. But uh, I'm curious as to know what your highlight of Gen 5 would be and whether that's something that Josh can look forward to or has already experienced it and disagrees. Oh, no spoilers, though, because <laughs> I don't remember the story at all. I'm trying to go through it. <laughs> so, so Spoiler I, alert for the 12-year-old game. I'll, I'll yeah, the, I mean, I'm actively playing it. I'll, I'll give a little bit of like context as well for how my history went because I played the hell out of uh, Gen 1 and Gen 2 as a kid. And I had a GBA, but I didn't have Gen 3 because the one time I went to go get it. I think I've told this on podcast before, actually, but just re summarize it. I went to go get Gen 3 because someone I knew had uh, Sapphire and I really wanted to play it, but they didn't have it. So I played, uh, I got Legacy of Goku instead. And then. Yeah, I, yes, you have, you have told that. Yeah. So I skipped the DS and um, so I didn't play Gen 4 either. And uh, the 3DS was coming and Pokemon uh, White and Black was coming out around the same time because that's when the localization was hitting. I was like, you know what? I want to get a 3DS and I want to play Pokemon again. So uh, I just got them both at the same time. And uh, for Gen 5 specifically, I really enjoyed the story in the game. I thought Pokemon having like uh, trying to do an in-depth story was pretty fun and uh, uh, great. Uh, the music and the Unova region, I just really like. Uh, I enjoyed, like, okay, so skipping Gen 3 and 4 probably, like, diminishes this opinion a little bit, but I really liked that uh, uh, when, you, when you're when you doing uh, Gen 5 uh, uh, Part 1 for the main story quest, they force you to use just the Unova region's Pokemon, and they made 150 Pokemon that um for that region specifically. I know there's a lot of, like, your regular repeated sort of um uh, archetypes like you got instead of Rattata you've got uh, Pat Rat instead of um uh, instead of uh Pidgey you've got uh, uh P Dove and so on and so forth. So you've got like all of those sort of like same tropes but made fresh. But I think um I think just doing that in general helps with like my opinion of like uh not falling into a trap of uh, getting all the pokemon that i already know i love and like making new favorites yeah that's interesting i i think gen 3 did something similar but i don't think that opinion is diminished as much as you think because it's more impressive if a pokemon game that comes out later does that because that means that it's willfully ignoring more of the current roster to do so so it's in some ways more impressive that they've done that in gen 5 yeah, right. I'm just saying, like, for me personally, it might come off as, like, a little, um, a, a little weird I have that opinion because I skipped two generations. So yeah, I, I didn't have as much of a burnout as most people would have at that point. So, Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on the story so far, having played every gen? <laughs> I don't that, like the that... story in these games. 
<laughs> I that, really that don't. laugh tells me that it's going to be either a, a very one-liner <laughs> opinion or a let me get my paper and pen and take some notes. No, it's okay. So I can't talk too much because most of the story in a Pokemon game always happens towards the the middle to like sort of three quarters to end half of the game. So not much has happened so far. So far for me, after just being in the fourth gym, the story so far has been we're Team Plasma. We're going to steal your Pokemon and taking me on a Ferris wheel and going. Actually, I'm the bad guy. All right, <laughs> now let's sit here awkwardly until we get back down to the ground. <laughs> um, and then Cheren running up, going, "I'm still here!" Like after like every single route. And then when it's not him, it's Bianca. <laughs> and they all they want to do is fight me with their three weak Pokemon. And I'm like, please stop. You, you're like Hal, but worse. <laughs> I I like Sharon and Bianca because like, so you're still in the mid game, so it's not going to hit just yet. But they have story arcs. Like, so they're not just Hal and uh, Hop. Uh, well, Hop kind of has an arc, but I've, I've seen a lot of people say that his arc sucks. But, um... Sharon, his arc is kind of air, but I like Bianca as a character a lot. I like how her journey plays out and the conclusions she reaches. And Sharon's big payoff is in the sequel, I feel. Um, okay, yeah, so I'll have to... Obviously, like I said, like I can't say anything too bad about the story yet because I haven't finished it. But from what I remember when I was a kid playing this... I enjoyed the game until the last part of the, the actual game where you go catch the box legendary. And then I was like, this sucks. And then I dropped it entirely. Um, so <laughs> we'll have to see if I do that again. <laughs> I don't remember why I did that. I just remember absolutely hating it and then not playing the, the sequel that came out. So uh, yeah, we'll have to see. That's part but, of the reason why I'm replaying it. Yeah, I think more interestingly will be whether you enjoy the experience more this time that uh, you then get driven to do uh, part two. Well, my plan is to play part two, regardless of whether or not I enjoy this, just so I can say I've beaten it, because <laughs> I've done every other Pokemon game, so I kind of need to do this one at some point. Well, if if it helps any, uh, it's generally considered that part two is a massive improvement. Yeah, that's that's where I was sort of leading that to. I, I heard that it's the same game, but you go in reverse. <laughs> like, I heard you just go from the top of the map to the bottom instead, or like... Like you just go through the reverse town, like reverse counter. Just the amount of things that are in the game and like the changes they made make it a massive improvement. Is and still and the post game is one of the best post games they've ever done. Oh, I see. The other problem I'm having with the game at the moment is that I, almost every second person I talk to is like, hey, look at these great wireless features. And they, I can't use them because they're <laughs> dead. And I'm playing this like 12 years later. Yeah, that, that's, not a, <laughs> that's not a criticism of the game, though. No, it's not. That's a criticism of, of Nintendo. you... Well, yes, no, but it's, it's also criticism it of, of yeah the the current context within which you're playing it. Um, but the one thing that the reason I bring that up is that the touch screen, which because I'm playing on my 3ds, the touch screen is like usually in most other Pokemon games quite useful, but in this you're forced into the online mode and you can't just have it be the menu or a map or anything actually useful. It's just an online thing saying like, hey, connect here to talk with people and connect to the dream world or whatever. And I, I just have it turned off because, like, it, I, I can't connect. It just sits there saying connect, and I'm like, I can't. So that entire bottom screen is useless outside of battle. And then when I press X, then it opens the menu that I actually want on the touch screen. So it's, it's a bit weird. Fair enough. Um, uh, team check. Yeah. What, are you, what are you running in your team right now? Oh, hang on. I'll tell you. I've got... Yeah, let me turn the volume down. 
I have got... Before we get copyright struck by Nintendo. <laughs> so, so for me, because I'm still at the first gym, my, uh, my, my options are limited. I'm using a Snivy, a Pat Rat, a Lillipop. Uh, and a... the shiny level 100 Rayquaza I found. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> According to that one totally Pokeball, wasn't gen. Um, yeah. I, I just got a Moona on my team and the uh, Panpour that they give you for free. Because I saw with um, Snivy, they give you pan four. So I got Palpitode, Zeb Striker, Tranquil, Cottony, Pig Knight, and Lipid. Although Lipid's going to be replaced because as much as I like the design of the Pokemon, it's kind of shit. Oh yeah, I've, I also <laughs> got a, um, a Perlon on my team because you get that early as well. Yeah, so I'm still using... I, I, ironically, Cottony is my best Pokemon by far because they <laughs> give you an Eviolite really early and it just... Like, between Leech Sleet and Giga Drain, this thing does not die. <laughs> I fought so many fire types with this Cottony, and it just wins. <laughs> it soloed most of the uh, most of the rival encounters I've encountered so far. And it's the highest level on my team. <laughs> oh, I also want to add for um, uh, things that I really like for Gen 5 is just the little minor touches they did in presentation. So, Gen 5 is the first time... Not the first time, but... um. A, a big focus is that uh, all the um, sprites are animated now in battle, and they look mm -hmm. really great. Uh, when you uh, get, when you get some of them do, yeah. Uh, from what I've seen, most of them are pretty great so far. Uh, if I see any bad ones, I will point them out next time. Blitzels is really good. I like Blitzels. Yeah, uh, Pat Rats is pretty nice. Um, uh, when you get to critical health, it it changes the music instead of just having the yeah. beep and. The critical health music is a bop. I love it so yeah. much. Uh, it's yeah. a shame they got rid of it after Gen 5 as well, because now I think current gens, it's just, it beeps a couple of times when you hit it, and then it just continues a normal battle track. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the dun, dun it, dun it, and then the drums kick in, like. Also, for gym leaders, when you get them down to their last Pokemon, it starts playing the main Pokemon theme, and I think that's fantastic. It's so Ooh, good. That's yeah. cool. No, that's so, really cool. Final question before we wrap this up then. Uh, critical battle health of Gen 5 versus Gigant, uh, not uh, Dynamax, uh, Dynamax party theme in Sword and Shield. Oh. The Dynamax theme absolutely pops off. I, I have to vote for that. I, it's pretty close. I think, I think I've got to give it to the Gen 8 one because of the uh, audience chanting though. Yeah. No, that, that's done really I think well. that touch puts it above it. I yep. think that just makes it so much more hype. Like, there, there's really good scenes in that game, which obviously Seth wouldn't have experienced yet because he hasn't played them, but, like, that music makes the game actually feel almost alive in certain points, so I really like that. Cool. Do we want to hear my very quick dot points on what I like and what I don't like about the Gen 5 so far? Uh, sure. I mean, we're at uh, 13 minutes, so we could either do this or you could get into it more once you've, I don't know, closer to finishing the game next week. Up to you. Well, I want to bring up the stuff that I like and don't like very quickly, just sure. so we can go back on it next week if, if we need to. Um, <laughs> so that Seth can take notes and think <laughs> yeah. shit out of you between in now and next week. Yeah, in, go case, in case a good becomes a bad next week, <laughs> yeah. or a bad becomes a good. I'll be, I'll be very quick with these. So the things I don't like so far are the fact that there is such a small variety of Pokemon available, even up to the fourth gym. Uh, there's just not many at all. Uh, anywhere <laughs> it's kind of like even like different routes just have the same pokemon repeated so i would have liked them not necessarily to add the old pokemon but just have more pokemon available in the start of the game so that you can form a team that's a little bit different to every other time you do the, that area 
Um, I, I don't like the UI at all. I, I really, really don't like the UI. Um, it just feels dated and ugly. Uh, it feels like a, if anyone ever played Digimon Dawn and Dusk, it feels like that kind of UI, but done badly. Um, compared to like Pokemon Y and even Diamond and Pearl, like they were just much better. Um, the things I do like is the music is absolutely incredible. The world is actually just full of people. You can walk into almost every house and they like people are talking about things and that the world feels very built. Like there's a there's a lot of stuff in there. I want to add that combining those two together, the second town, Akumala Town, they have um a, they have a really great uh, town theme there. But if you go onto a small house on a balcony, you talk to two people inside there, and they start adding musical tracks because they start playing drums and pianos, and it adds to the background music in such a good way. Oh, that's really cool. But yeah, there's just a lot of like, just not well written, but written NPCs in general that just. You, you don't have a lot of people in a lot of games, uh, in a lot of the Pokemon games. Like, you kind of walk through and there'll be six people that you can talk to, and that's about it. But these towns are just filled with a lot more people. The cities are bigger. They've got, like, uh, in... I can't remember what the town's called, but, like, people running through the town that shout random things at you as you bump into them or walk past. And all of those touches are really cool. So I would like to see more of that in the newer Pokemon games. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my impression so far. So we can wrap this up. Cool. Uh, anything you want to add to Ah, uh, no, that's... That's all fine and dandy. I I kind of get where Josh is coming from with like the selection of Pokemon as you're going through the routes. I feel like the point is that they're trying to like ease you into slowly changing up the team as you're going along and like trying out a small handful of Pokemon at a time. But also like if you're doing repeat playthroughs, then yeah, I can see that being a bit of a slog of these are like... Because uh, the f before you get to the first gym, your like selection is of like five Pokemon and one of them is a rare encounter that I didn't haven't run into yet because I haven't tried grinding it yet. Yeah, like there's just not a lot of Pokemon and like your choices are, hey, here's the monkey they've given you for the opposite type to your own. And then you don't get the bird until I think the second, like after you beat the first gym. Um, so you, your choices are a rat, a cat, your starter and a monkey. <laughs> like, and the Ordino. And there's no variety. <laughs> and the Ordino. Yeah. So Man, this, like, this you don't team get building any other type. Sounds like my trip to the zoo. Yeah, and even after that, it's like, oh, cool, now I can get a bird Pokemon, or I can get, like, the, their bat equivalent of, like, Woobat, and, well, what else can I get? Oh, I can get one electric type. All right, cool, time for the next zone. <laughs> hmm. There's just not a lot of choice. Like, if you're trying to have a variety of types on your team, you're kind of locked into using certain Pokemon for quite a while. Right. Uh, I guess just for continuity's sake, out of 10 based on what you've played, what would you give it? I don't know if the score is going to mean anything given it's 12 years old, but <laughs> how are you finding it now? Um, yeah, it's not as bad as I remember, honestly. So maybe like a six or a seven? Six? Yeah, I'd go a six. Sweet. Uh, just before we wrap up, uh, it's only because I suddenly got reminded of it like two minutes ago. But uh, when I was down in Wellington last week, uh, I went through a bunch of stuff in my old room at my parents' house. And in that, I found not only my Omega Ruby game, which I've been searching for for a couple of years, but uh, my, I got a brace for this. Pokemon Black. <laughs> no. Original, bought from EB Games in 2005, Prima Strategy Guide for Pokemon Emerald. Oh, oh my God. Nice. That's probably worth money these days, honestly. Uh, the thing is, I, I really enjoyed reading into games as a kid. Like, I'd always read the instruction manual and stuff on the way home from game, like, from wherever I bought them. Yeah, or, I did the same else. thing. So, 
So I remember, so the reason I remember like exactly when it was that, that I bought this is because the same day I had to perform in the school play that night. So I thought, it's fine. I'm only on for like a scene or two. I'll just read it backstage when I when it's not me on stage, which <laughs> one, I think that partially destroyed my eyesight with how with how strained I had to to be to read in what was almost pitch black. Uh, but two, uh, I read the I read the hell out of that thing. Like I think I've torn a couple pages just from the number of times that I've read it. But as far as Prima strategy guides go, it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're having like a Prima discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of ranking if, of all if, the guides that released. Do- if, if I was to do my, my top one Prima Strategy Guide 2022, Pokemon Emerald. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because I was reminded of that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. But thank you for that, uh, Josh and Seth. Uh, why don't we move into Stranger of Paradise, Seth? Yeah, so uh, like I said earlier in Rounder Lounge, I played this to damn near completion already. Um, I got the Platinum Trophy, but uh, there's still a lot I can do in that. I can uh, do repeat playthroughs of the game at higher and higher difficulties until I reach the maximum level. But um, let's let's just take this from the top. So, uh, I w- oh boy, <laughs> I want to re-establish what exactly this game is right now. This is it all a- started. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, this <laughs> this is a prequel to Final Fantasy One. Uh, yes. it's telling the story of uh, Garland, the prequel? uh the oh. main villain of uh, Final Fantasy 1 and like how he came to the position he's in and uh, uh, gameplay wise this is uh, following a lot of uh, what Neo does where it's level by level you make you progress through a linear level and it's difficult like a Souls uh, what you'd expect a Souls game would be it's got those sort of mechanics like dodge uh, uh, enemies do a lot of uh, big hits but it's more leaning towards an action game so you got a lot more answers to things than what a normal Souls game would be, and it's more focused on like. So, I said this the other day off podcast, and it seems like controversial controversial take to Josh, but um, this is more focused on combat that feels really really good compared to like. So Souls games do feel good to play, but the actions in this feel like what you'd expect from like an action sort of game, and the fluidity you would get from those, whereas Souls is very weighty, and all your things you have to commit to. I think your words is that, to is me that was still that... controversial, Josh? So yes, because he, the way he said it was, "This is fun, unlike a Souls game." I didn't say it like <laughs> that. I said this feels. <laughs> this is a good feeling. This is this feels good compared to a Souls game. Compared to, and I was like, no, this this looks like it, it just looks like cringe. The game. Um, and so, like, how I'm sure the combat's feel? quite fun, but. Yeah, I I like a lot of things that people consider cringe, and I unironically like them. People who say they like these things ironically are cowards. <laughs> so, Patrick, <laughs> the therapist that you the role that you're currently taking, how's that going for you? <laughs> might, might I recommend a a healthy a healthy dose? Couple therapy. Two. <laughs> healthy dose. Yeah. Well, I actually need to finish that still, so we could. Actually, I did. I forgot to bring that up and run the lounge, but I I did finish that. Um, oh, did you play it solo? I, or? I have I have thoughts. No, I I played it when I was down in Wellington because I um uh mutual friend of ours has it on PlayStation, and so I just oh played it when oh I was... did I say you played it with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, and so I was just basically um uh couch couch surfing for a week, and so we we finished up because we played through a bit of it. I got wildly off topic. Stranger Paradise. 
Sorry, I don't know that we're going to bring up It Takes Two this time, but stay tuned because we probably need to have a discussion about that at some point because that was Game of the Year last year. And I know Steve also had opinions on it. So Yeah, I just one need to the, play through it myself my as well. So maybe we could right, hold so that off until like, we've all played it and like yeah. go into a deep dive. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, have, I have thoughts. Uh, yeah, back to Stranger in Paradise though. Yeah, so the last point is that this is actually an anniversary celebration game which is why they went back to, like, let's explore the origins of uh, the uh, first Final Fantasy villain. But at the same time, all the um, levels are based on other Final Fantasy games. So the first level of the game is the Chaos Shrine, which is Final Fantasy 1's Chaos Shrine. But then immediately the next level is you go to a pirate village, so they base it on the Final Fantasy 14 pirate level, which is one of the most dreaded dungeons in the game when you get it in Junior Finder. <laughs> and so this is the second one. Yeah, and that's that's the second level of the game. It's immediately yeah, nice. okay. Go to go to your level uh, for Final Fantasy fourteen Ned Judy Finder. Wait, so it, it literally is Sestasha, or it's just based on Sestasha? It's based on Sestasha. Like, oh, uh, that's so funny. Visually, a lot of the elements and stuff are based on Sestasha, but like, you'll also get things like, um, they make cute references throughout the levels. Like, there's a level based on Final Fantasy X's Mount Gagazet. And you go mm. inside a, ca- a cave in there, and they've got all these uh, uh, things on the walls that are, like depicting people. And while the side characters will say it looks like uh, those uh, rocks look like they're dreaming, which is a pretty neat throwback to like the the dreams of the faith in Final Fantasy X. Hmm. And all, all you hear in the background is just ah 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's way earlier in the game on a beach, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I would have appreciated if the uh, music track uh, put in some haas like the Final Fantasy X soundtrack does. Oh, or at God, least a superior that... version of that soundtrack. This is, yeah, I was about to say, this is a bit of an off-topic thing, but that YouTube video of just, like, the entire soundtrack done but him laughing instead of the actual notes. Oh, my God, that is, that, that's killer. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic. But, yeah, uh, on that music note, they also... These aren't straight remixes of um, the music tracks from those levels. But the- are they gay or bi remixes? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Steven's not here. I have to fill his role. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations! Um... You now have to play it. Takes two by yourself with both controllers. Oh, <laughs> he has to play the divorce edition. The divorce edition. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, still an improvement over playing with Steven. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but enough. But yeah, instead of like just straight up taking the music from these levels and remixing them, they make new arrangements and hide the um, original themes in there somehow. So as hmm. um, there's one of the levels that's based on um, the Final Fantasy XIII uh, Sunlift Waterscape. And as, oh, that'd be so good. Yeah, and as you're going through it, look, uh, once you start like reaching deeper and deeper into the level, you start hearing uh, some Final Fantasy XIII notes come through and it's Every time that happens in a, in the level, it just feels so good. Like the Final Fantasy VII music it starts uh, hitting through Final Fantasy VI music. The one that I didn't hear right away was um at the Final Fantasy XV base level does have Somnus in it, which is peak ten out of ten. I love that they went with that. But the way they mixed it into the track was as I was uh, playing the game, I didn't initially hear it and thought it wasn't in the game. And someone had to point out to me, no, it's here. And they elongated the notes and kept the pauses longer. I was like, wasn't that what? someone, Josh? No, it wasn't. No, Josh. it was. It wasn't me. But I was watching you complain about it. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, as it 
so I, I'm a big fan of how they did that because it actually sounds very good how they mix that in there. But yeah, um, I think it was really smart that they went with the way of um mixing the tracks you do know into um into another layer of a, a brand new song. Who did this soundtrack? Was it Nobaya Master as well? No, I think it was. I think it was uh, some composers from uh, uh, Team Ninja and maybe the Final Fantasy Thirteen composer. I'd have oh, to okay. double check that later and get back to you. But yeah, um, the Final Fantasy Thirteen composer has been on a lot of Square Enix stuff lately. He also did some a lot of tracks for Final Fantasy Seven Remake. How does this game soundtrack compared to just in general other Final Fantasy games like out of ten? Okay, so against like other like numbered Final Fantasy games, it it doesn't hold a candle, honestly, um, because those are like so varied and like so nostalgic that they're on like a league of their own. But this is still a very good soundtrack that I enjoyed a lot, and I I do want to get the OST now that it's available because that just came out recently as well. Mm, I thought it was selling really badly in um, Japan for physical copies compared to like Tactics. I think they sold Tactics sold like six hundred thousand, and then this for a spinoff sold like I think it was like fifty thousand physical copies, and that's just physical. But yeah, like, um, I'm doing well. That seems to be like just a way of like the downward trend of um Japan physical sales at the moment because uh it, it's still a really high seller in Japan at the moment. Like the uh, PS4 version was a number one seller for the week it came out and the ps5 version was like number three and they were still hmm. both in the top five the last week that just passed so oh, okay it, it's selling well like i just it, at least in terms of charts but um yeah i think that's more to say about how like maybe they're moving more towards digital sales and it's harder to track those or maybe just console sales are dwindling in japan compared to they how they were a couple of years ago it also obviously doesn't include Epic Store um, or any other digital medium, so I just thought it was an interesting number to read. Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting thing to bring up, but I just think it's more of, like, showing a trend of how Japan sales are going compared to, like, this is doing badly, because this seems to be doing fairly well in, as it is. Okay, and how does this game compare to a good Souls-like game like Elden Ring? <laughs> um, depends how you want to look at it, because Elden Ring is a beast of a game, and I can... I can Putting putting critical thinking into view, I can see that Elden Ring is so much of a better game than this is because um, there's just so many ways to play that and it, the open world is designed so well and everything and it's just a beast of a game while this is... This is more focused around like making a really good combat system and celebrating it, the, uh, the franchise is coming from. And the levels aren't too impressive, honestly. There, there are a lot of hallways with encounters through them until you get to the boss at the end. But the way they design the combat encounters are very fun and very unique. And I think the I I will say that I think this does have a slight advantage over Elden Ring when it comes to like, uh, classes and builds because in Elden Ring, it if uh, you'll like find a new weapon and you either need to respect for it or you just can't use that weapon so you're locked to like certain play styles while this because of the job system that it has in place it um it lets you switch up how you play uh through the game or how you handle encounters on the fly basically like you can switch up how you want to do it every encounter and just see what works for you and what what's fun 
Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, um, I've seen that. I've seen some people have like they struggle with a fight with one class that's maybe like too hand to handy or something, and the, the bosses that can be handled that way. But if you're having a bit too much issue with it and like trying to figure out how to do it, you can switch to like a mage build and like just start pumping it with like whatever element it's weak to and seeing if that works out for you instead. And like you don't have to go through a whole respec system or a whole new game file for it. It's just switch your weapon, switch your job, and that's it. You you've got a whole new playstyle to work with. So when you played through, did you have a particular job that you enjoyed more than others? Or did you find yourself, because of that freedom with things like weapon selection, being able to just freely swap between them and not really hold on to a favorite? Um, the way I was playing was I was um, leveling up the jobs as I was going through and like just sticking with something until it reached maximum cap and then go to something else. But I did have a clear uh, favorite. You took, you took the grinder approach. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> doing it that way, I almost got every job to maximum by the time I hit the end of, uh, most of the side missions. So, um, it's, to get every, le every job to level 30, it's not that bad, honestly. You just need, uh, you just play through the game and you'll get everything to maximum, uh, by the end. But I did have a clear favorite. It was anything that involved punching things and, <laughs> and the ninja, ninja class gives you an ability that uh that armor is an azuna drop from the ninja gaiden games which is you launch an enemy into the air you grab it and then you do a spinning pile diver back into the ground and i always love that attack it's always so good you pointed out that that was in my favorite fight in naruto so far too yeah which <laughs> uh, <laughs> is really cool the, the azuna drop is a really popular move and for good reason looks sick yeah it looks really good hmm. um i also oh, that's cool so, something that's also really cool is that those sort of things aren't tied to the jobs themselves they're tied to the weapons so that unlocks it for hand-to-hand uh, -hand, uh, combos. So any job that lets you do hand-to-hand -hand combos, you can put that ability onto them so you don't have to stick to ninja for it. It's just in the ninja tree to unlock. So it works kind of like the Final Fantasy twelve uh, level up system then. You can kind of go to any job that you want um, and just choose abilities out of that and use them. That that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a good way to do it, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a really fun way to handle it and like just tying things to the weapons raise it up a lot more than uh sticking them to the jobs uh that oh excuse me sorry the uh, so i sorry you go sir uh before i touch on the story there is one negative i want to bring up and that's i wish i, I wish there was like some sort of um a glamour or transmog system in the game because neo 2 did have this where um so we mentioned last week that all the loot in this gear is like pretty randomized um and uh, you get a lot of um different things but uh, it would be nice to have like a refashion system or a transmog system where you just take the look of something that's in your inventory and uh, um it doesn't affect your stats you just have that uh, appearance uh, over it because you want to play final fashion c instead of final fantasy yeah exactly that's that's the end game of final fantasy 14 let me repeat it here <laughs> but also there's um there's a couple of um pre-order DLC weapons that like after level 20 they just fall off and it they just become uh, uh useless. So having some sort of system where you could uh, paste their look over another stronger weapon would be really appreciated. And Neo 2 apparently has this and I can just hope that they add this in a future patch for this game later. 
But yeah, uh, what were you going to bring up, Pat? Well, it was it was sort of going to tie into your next point about the story anyway, and that because I uh, I've played very very select few Final Fantasies, but I'm curious. Uh, I don't know if either of us or any of us have played Final Fantasy One, but whether the prequel is fulfilling story wise with where it fits into, I guess, the canon of Final Fantasy, or whether it's very much uh, you play it but you don't really miss anything from the rest of the. I don't know what you want to call it, universe, Final Fantasy. Um, you, you, you know where I'm going. Uh, I'd be yeah, Final Fantasy game that. is like self-contained for the most part. It, so. Yeah, um, so I haven't played Final Fantasy 1, but uh, Trancy, my girlfriend, has, and she said you could play this without missing anything. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm wondering. I'd, I'd assume that there's like some things in this that... <laughs> If you play Final Fantasy One, you'll point at the screen and go, "I remember that. I remember that. That's really cool." But um, I think this more takes like if you had played Final Fantasy One, um, it takes things that you would have known, and uh, um, you just kind of twist them in a way that'll make like you raise an eyebrow or like go, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Um, but yeah, uh, for the story itself, it's. For the most part, it's played like a very straight Final Fantasy game of it. Here's your crystals, go fix them. And then, without spoiling anything, as you get to the last third of the game, a lot of major twists happen, and all the characters start to shine even more. And it it got into like a point where it was actually more emotional than I thought it would be. So I, it got like a lot better than I anticipated this anticipated this game story would go and i really enjoyed it that's cool okay i have a, a, a roundup question for you yep um you said to i don't know if you said it on the podcast actually but you said multiple times that it's going to be your game of the year over elden ring do you still think that having completed it yeah i stand by question. that i stand Whoa. by that 100% because i enjoy the combat in this a lot and uh i i i appreciate good feeling combat a lot more than most people do like uh 2019 my top games would have been kingdom hearts 3 and Devil may cry 5 just because i enjoy their combat systems a lot and i don't know what was considered game of the year that year but those two were what stood out to me as my favorite games of those years and i can see that happening with this like elden ring will still be in the top for me because i am enjoying that game a lot but this is number one right now and i think the only thing that would beat it is if Final fantasy 16 does release it's funny you say that because 2019 the game of the year was sekiro which was another souls game <laughs> and that, that's actually one i haven't played and that's supposed to be the, the souls game that does decent combat that that was funny the, the souls least game. liked one from that i've heard yeah um, the, but, the, yeah. the joke the joke there is that S for, yes, for Sekiro, for Sekiro it, was yeah, a, yeah. it was an alphabetical tier list, but it, it fooled a lot of people. It was very funny. It fooled you guys. <laughs> I was the one that posted um, it, knowing the joke. Yeah, yeah true. Fucking smacked Steven. I think Steven, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steven was the one that really fell for it. <laughs> Shit list. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, cool. Um, yeah. That seems like a fairly good place to wrap up, unless you had any final thoughts or... Or closing uh, thoughts and, and review, Seth? 10 out of 10, it's a cultural reset and the first game to sell 1 trillion copies. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Such lies have never been told. I don't, I don't even have a follow-up for that. That's, that's perfect. All right, cool. Um, I would like to take, uh, not too long, but mention that 
uh, sort of talk talk about my my hands-on experience with Tiny Tina's. Um, reason why I don't want to take too long is because I don't think either of you are particularly huge Borderlands fans, and it's really easy to recommend this to other people that have played Borderlands, but I don't see this being the one that gets people into the Borderlands series slash universe. Uh, if you haven't Borderlands already Borderlands Cinematic been. Universe, the BCU. <laughs> yeah. so, so you say that, but I did enjoy Borderlands 1 and 2 a lot when I played those. I just haven't kept up with Borderlands since. I enjoyed yeah, and, Borderlands and that's 3. fine, because you, you, you dodged the bullet of the pre-sequel, uh, and Borderlands 3 gameplay-wise was, was, you know, great, but I still story Lord was Borderlands... dreadful. Yeah, I still <laughs> Lord Borderlands 2 as, as the sort of the, the epitome of, of what Borderlands should and could and was. Um, so... If you like Borderlands and you think, I don't know if I like Tiny Tina, yeah, you probably will. If you like Borderlands, you probably will. I'm, I'm just going to, like, I'm, I'm going to be totally straight with you because uh, that is a combination of its, its biggest positives and negatives, which I think is kind of interesting because, uh, so, firstly, where does this game take place? So I'm, I came at this from, I understood, like, what this game was supposed to be. I understood, like, what it was setting up and things, but Unlike I had a little... Can I, <laughs> yeah, can, can like I interrupt crazy. you for a second there, Patrick? So, is this game another Borderlands game? Is it a gun game looter shooter? Yes, it is. Okay. So that that that's one of the first things that it's it's sort of weird because I went into it just knowing that it was going to be a Borderlands game and seeing everything that said it was going to be a Borderlands game, and so I was going to get it regardless. I, I'd already sort of locked it in as I like Borderlands, I'll I'll like this, and I was right. But uh, there were a lot of questions that I had that weren't answered until much later on in the game than I would have liked. And that's because it's a Borderlands game, but I, I still don't have the answer to the question of, is this canon in the Borderlands, like, is this Borderlands 4, right? Or technically Borderlands 5 if there's the pre-sequel. But I, I don't know the answer to that question because... I see conflicting information in Tiny Tina's um, Wonderlands. And that's weird. It's weird because Borderlands 3, Tiny Tina is like 18, and people, I think, generally didn't like her character nearly as much as Borderlands 2, because when you're a funny, bomb-toting uh, child, it's it's funny, and, and you know, it's everyone funny when the gremlin it, but... It's funny when the gremlin is a little child and not a full-grown adult. Exactly, yeah, but, 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 when it's, but when it's an ADHD 18-year-old that talks about, you know, blowing things up, you think that's just too relatable and you just don't like the character as much, um, which is Why was she carrying around a book called the, the Communist Manifesto or whatever it is, the Communist Cookbook? <laughs> Anarchist Cookbook, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but so, so what's weird is that in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, it's Tiny Tina from Borderlands 2. It's not Tiny Tina from Borderlands 3, but some of the characters that they reintroduce from the Borderlands universe are either continuations of or based on characters that come from more Borderlands 3 side. So, and, and the, the weird underpinning of all of it is that they don't do pretty much any instantiation for the characters because they are returning characters. So, for example, Lorelei, who I really didn't like in Borderlands 3, makes an appearance once again as the first main character you meet in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which all right, I guess, but they don't really give, they, they give her a, no joke, one-line introduction in terms of why she's in this game from Tiny Tina's perspective, but Tiny Tina is Tiny Tina from Borderlands 2, and Lorelai is strictly Borderlands 3, so they do a one-line introduction of this is what she was doing before the events of Borderlands 3, 
but it's so weak that if you didn't play any of the previous Borderlands games, you'd go, that's kind of weird. Like, why Why would you even... Like, the, this game relies on you already buying into Borderlands for it to be effective. And I think it's a very dangerous line to walk because it works really well with someone like me, but it will not work on people that haven't played Borderlands before. So is this a co-op game? Is it a single-player game? It's co-op. It, like, all, all Borderlands games are co-op. The, this... Yeah, uh, but is it, like, strictly co-op? Like, is it, like, Left 4 Dead co-op? Or, like, what, what is this? Like, just, can you play it single-player? Is there a single-player yeah. campaign? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm playing it single-player currently. Um, okay. But it's, so, all so Borderlands the, so games the usual, are... Le- uh, the usual Borderlands setup, where it's, like, you can have up to four players, but... Um, yes, it, exactly. If you're playing it solo, you can. So yeah. do you play as Tiny Tina, or do you just play events from her perspective? So th- this entire thing is set up as uh, sort of the continuation of... Uh, so there was Borderlands 2 DLC called Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep, which in hindsight probably was the best DLC for what it was of Borderlands 2. So and good this, they made it standalone. Kind of, yeah. So, so this actually is canon to take place after the events of Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep because of lines of dialogue and events that happen in this game, which is, I guess, kind of funny. But again, it just sort of convolutes what, what the hell is the story in this game. Uh, and so in that, uh, in, in both Assault on Dragon's Keep and Wonderlands, you play through a Dungeons and Dragons campaign told by Tiny Tina, the bomb-toting psychopath, uh, in a, in a completely departed world that just happens to take place in the Borderlands universe. You're fighting, like, zombies and skeletons and all the sort of Dungeons and Dragons tropes in the universe cool. of Borderlands where you've got, like, you know, a million and one different gun combinations in the same gameplay loop, but there's no, there's no bearing on the Borderlands story from the perspective of what you are doing. And that's the same in this one. So you, you can play through Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which I hope to do probably by next week, and I don't think I will come out the other side of it with any more understanding of any plot points that are set up or continuing through Borderlands as the core Borderlands series game story. It just sounds like it's, it's a spin-off designed to be a spin-off from, from my perspective, from the outside perspective. But that actually yeah, sounds kind of cool. I, I actually kind of want to play it now. And, and, and that, that's kind of it, right? Is that like, that, that is what it is, but it's hard to say whether that makes it better or worse because that is literally what it is. <laughs> so, so you have the, so like the, the typical Borderlands 1, 2, and 3 and pre-sequel loop would be you pick a character. Uh, the character is one of typically four different character archetypes that can spec into one of three different weapon trees. And your gameplay loop is run through a level, um, shoot guns, throw grenades, um, pick up various sort of scaling, you know, legendary system loot you know, like Diablo and all the rest of them. And that the fun comes in from the uh, very, um, like, slanted humor of, of Borderlands writing alongside playing with friends in co-op. And it's the same core. This, this is, it's the same gameplay loop here. They're not doing anything crazy, crazily different to reinvent the wheel, which is fine because there wasn't anything wrong with the gameplay loop in previous ones. Um, what they have done differently in this one is that because it's a Dungeons and Dragons setting, they have, instead of grenades, you have a spell, and they've put a larger emphasis on your melee weapon, where it used to be just, like, there were some builds that you could get away with that were melee, whereas now you actually have a melee weapon. Like, the weapon that you equip to use for melee, you can now pick up and upgrade and find, like, 
the loot system of, of like a gun or or any other th- th- sort of thing, which I guess is a good change. Do you still pick a class like like you would in Borderlands? Are they like D&D style classes? Yes. So there are six classes to pick from instead of four, which you might think is a good upgrade, but there are no longer three different class trees. So oh. I'm playing the class called Berserker, which... It's just a, a <laughs> yeah. It's just a, a pun on on berserker because he, he uses frost damage. Fine. There's only one weapon. There's only one tree that I can spec into, so all of my points will go into the same tree, which is different from previous Borderlands games where you'd pick one of three different trees. But uh, what is cool about this one is that um, the uh, when you play through enough of the story, as I have, you unlock the ability to multi-class, where you then pick another one of the six as a second class to attach to yours and then you get to use the, the perks from both so a very D style thing that's cool yeah which means it's probably going to save me time in the long run because i'll only need to level up three classes one like um i'm i'm picking so the, there's the six classes and the the loose archetypes are um melee face punch man um strong like glass cannon ranged person uh, spellcaster, and then hybrids of those three. And so I will likely be able to just uh, level three classes instead of all six, and then just multi-class the other three. And it'll save me having to play through the game six times. Which Is that would... like a healer slash support person? As one of those classes? No. Or at least okay. there, there likely is, but it's not on the class archetype. It'd be like, there'll be like a skill point that you can put into that you Usually, there's like a medic class of you shoot allies to heal them. I'm sure that's a thing in this game. It's just not the it's just not the berserker, so I don't know what class it is yet. Yeah. Okay. No. Fair enough. Because it actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Is it set in when you said it was like D and D in a Borderlands world? Is it yep. the same world design as the previous Borderlands games, or is it like D and D sort of landscape? So, so that that is one of the the coolest parts of of what they've done differently with this one, where. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep, which I, I will have to keep restating it because it gets confusing. Assault on Dragon's Keep as the Borderlands 2 DLC was designed as a fantasy setting. Its entire purpose was to be like, oh, you're going through a castle, you're going through a magical forest, that kind of thing. This is designed to uh, still encapsulate those pieces, but the overworld, which is the first time they've done a proper overworld in a Borderlands game, is a D&D table. And why oh. that's awesome is because there are things like you use bottle caps for bridges and the river is just an orange soda can that someone had tipped over on the side of the table. And at one stage, your path is just blocked by a, a cheese curl that Tiny Tina has just dropped while eating like onto the table. And that's now an obstacle that you have to get around. It's, it's set literally on a D&D table, which is awesome if like, Everything is a double-edged sword, right? Like, it's really cool that that is the setting for this, but it means that, as I say, you'll go through and, in my case, probably play this for 100 or so hours, and it will have zero impact on the Borderlands story and universe and things. So, in a way, it's kind of meaningless, but at the same time, what it is doing is super cool. So I have a a question on whether this, uh, for people that, like, dropped out of Borderlands because of um, how the story really the story but how the writing has gone how's the writing in this compared to say borderlands 2 or borderlands 3 like in terms of jokes or quips or whatever are thrown in there yeah so this is much more borderlands 2 and that i've really enjoyed so the the main selling it wasn't a twitch streamer 
in this one yeah exactly <laughs> the, the the main selling point on this uh in terms of the, from the writing side is that uh it's written like tiny so tiny tina is narrating the game while it's playing so there'll be times where it'll do a cut scene from the perspective of people on the table and then at times it'll be a cut scene of you know what the game is and so almost all of the boss introductions are tiny tina finding a figurine and then putting the figurine in the game and then you fighting that figurine that kind of thing that's pretty neat <laughs> but the the main the main villain that you fight uh is dragon lord i don't know if he's got a second title yet because i i've been doing a lot of side quests i haven't actually advanced the story a huge amount um you you fight some guy called dragon lord who is a written to be handsome jack character much more than a written to be the twitch streamer character from borderlands 3 and Thank God. <laughs> like that. So it, it's a one two punch in that it's written to be something like Handsome Jack, but it's voiced by Will Armet. Who's Will Armet? Oh. Uh, the guy, like Bo, Bojack Horseman. Oh, oh, oh slash, okay. Slash Job from Arrested Development. Yeah, okay. No, that would be, that would okay, be really at good. Least, so, at least he knows who he is after hearing yeah. the characters. Yeah, yeah I don't so, really know actors' names, but that's great. Yeah. I love so, both of so, those characters. To, so, it's so it's so easy to just get into the swing of things and have him talk to you privately like Handsome Jack did, and then just start roasting you, and it just sounds like Job from Arrested- Oh, not Job. Um, <laughs> Job, because Job's the other one. Um, the other one from Arrested Development. The, yeah, the one other character? <laughs> what oh. do you mean? What? Job's no, the no, magician, no, because... dude. You're talking about no, no. Um, the, Wait, the is, weird is song? Job, is Job the magician? Job's the magician. Okay, then yeah, yeah it is Job from, from, from yeah, Arrested yeah, Development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and so, and so it just sounds like Job, just kind of being like arrogant and, and like sort of dancing around you and that kind of thing. It's great. And so you have, so Tiny Tina is, is the, the dungeon master for the game, but you were also joined by two other companions, uh, Valentine and um, I think Fret 2000, like a robot, who were voiced by Andy Samberg and Wanda Sykes, respectively. So who, the what voice was the second acting, name that you said, sorry? Wanda Sykes. Okay, I know I her as the, I, I know her as the skunk from Over the Hedge. Is that, is that her really most known role? Because <laughs> I have not, no idea. It's, the, it's, it's most known to me. It's like, it's like the really sassy voice. Like okay. per perfect for this, and then Andy Samberg, like um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Lonely Samberg, Island. Yeah. Uh, Everyone knows Andy. Andy Samberg. Yeah, exactly. And and he's just himself, basically, in this, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is cool. Um, so that they they've smashed the voice acting. Um, on that side of it, it's great, and yeah, so many um, of the um, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll just finish this point in that so much of the voice acting is kind of like, it's like the gruff role playing fantasy kind of voice that you expect of um i don't know like you talk to a goblin and it's got like someone trying really hard to do a goblin voice and it just suits but what were you gonna say seth i know i was just going to say that i feel like borderlands has always done really well on the voice acting side of things like they usually get pretty great voice actors uh, coming in for it yeah what were the yeah, two villains do. from i think it's number three like the the bomb dudes uh number two rather so i think boom and the, boom. Like the Boom and boom, yeah. Yeah. They, they like that voice acting really stands out to me when you say Borderlands voice acting because it's just it's what I it's perfect. It, like I yeah. couldn't imagine a better voice for those characters. So yeah, they've always done a pretty good job. There, there are, um, there are so many good, like this is sort of peak Borderlands two writing moments in this game. Like I did a side quest recently, which I'm not going to spoil. But let's just say it makes it sets up an entire Star Wars reference, and it's it's fantastic. <laughs> what it's, where it's does it genuinely very what funny. Star Wars movies? What? Where, where does it reference like the original trilogy? The yeah. like the prequels yeah, yeah. or the original it's, it's trilogy? The, All right, I'm in. Uh, it's it, um, 
yeah i i won't go into it but it's it's great and the the last major story beat that i've done involves doing something that makes total sense on a D board but is otherwise physically impossible and the game just rolls with it and i am i am all about it <laughs> it's yeah it's it's great i'm i'm really i i sort of um yeah i'm i'm coming at this from the i love all borderlands games anyway like even though i i really don't like the main story of borderlands 3 i still played that you know several hundred hours so i'm not turned off by a bad story but this i i actually don't know about the story overall but the writing in the game like generally is very strong okay does it have still that uh very cell shaded you know the, that very typical borderlands art style it does but weirdly i'm i'm not sure how to put this into words it seems like it's turned down from borderlands 3 okay if that makes any sense like as in like just less jagged lines like i i I don't really know how to put it. I, I think it is a less... Like, I, I think of Lilith in Borderlands 2 versus Borderlands 3, and Lilith in Borderlands 3 is that, like, literally everything has a border. And, yeah, and it's very... Okay. Um, That's why it's even... called Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> would you say it was yeah, a bit like, too distracting in 3? I don't know. It was just... it's it's So, so for me, it's like the Sly trilogy had a, had a particular art style, and this is a really, really weird um analogy but i i hope no, no, it i get it because lie was like the ps2 equivalent of like what the borderlands games were doing in their art style i'd say yes and then and then when sly 4 came out however many years later they tried to update the style for i guess current gen and it looked good graphically but it didn't look like sly if that makes any sense and borderlands 3 was kind of similar where because it had been so long since Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel, all, like, 1, 2 and pre-sequel, well, maybe more 2 and pre-sequel, had a particular look, and then 3 departed from that look. Just in however way, I, I honestly don't know how to put it into words. It just, I, like, you could show me a screenshot, and I just know it's Borderlands 3 and not, and not 2 or the pre-sequel. I don't know why. Um, but okay. this feels closer to Borderlands 2. So yes, it is still cel-shaded. Uh, but less so, I think. Okay. Um, um, oh, other, the... other couple of quick points. Um, they have reduced the legendary drop rates from 3, which I think is a good change. Kind of weird to say that that's a good change, but I've played this game a bunch and I've got 3 legendaries, whereas I think I was already drowning in legendaries in uh, Borderlands 3, so that was a nice change. Um, I, I've had generally good performance playing it on PC on circa 2016-ish hardware um although i hit one area that absolutely crippled my frame rate uh i think it would have been fixed if i restarted but i continued playing um and yeah i i sort of made my own mess a little bit with that one but otherwise runs really smoothly um i have hit a couple of ui glitches and i've got a weird one where my character will slowly walk forward sometimes but i don't think it's the controller i i think it's just a dead zone on the input um, or something. Not, like, in a game-breaking way, but it's just sort of annoying where I'm set, you know, on the edge of a cliff and I'll start wandering forwards and get a bit close. Um, just looking at it, because I actually hadn't looked into this at all. Um, yeah, definitely very Borderlands. Is there... So, all the monsters and everything, like, these there's, like, skeletons and, like, D&D-style fantasy yeah. monsters. Are they done up in the border, Borderlands, like, you know, post-apocalyptic, almost cyberpunk style, or are they just generic... This is a skeleton, this is a dragon, whatever. 
uh much more the fantasy side this is a skeleton this is a dragon um that that was one of the uh not complaints but it was it was weird going into this game uh so I've I've been trying at all stages to kind of keep this in in context with where it sits with two and where it sits with three. Uh it's uh I would say that it takes much hmm, it would take slightly longer than in Borderlands Ooh, I don't remember which one's faster now. It took me longer than I thought to get to the hub world. I'll say that. It took me longer than I thought to get to the hub world. And while getting to the hub world, because I consider getting to the hub world to be the start of the game, because that's sort of what it was in 2 and 3, or like the end of the tutorial slash like, you're now on your own, you can choose what you do next sort of thing. Like the, the, the releasing of the handholding. Um, it took me longer than I thought to get there. And while getting there, I had almost exclusively fought skeletons. And skeletons are great. They have a whole bunch of really funny lines that they say when you kill them. But that's it for the first little bit. But... Mm-hmm. Almost every complaint that I've had of, oh, it's annoying that they do it this way, does fix itself eventually when they introduce more. It just sort of takes a bit longer to get going than in other games. Okay. I, um... um yeah, I, I, I know that they've I've got... already Sorry, talked just... for longer than I wanted to, so maybe we'll wind this up and I'll give the rest of my opinion on it next week. But, yeah, uh, what, what was your point? I had just two questions. So, I know that... So, the one thing I know about this game is that it has a Japanese band uh, in it that do um chocolate uh what are they called giving chocolate uh they're called oh, baby I know metal. the song i don't baby know metal um sure is the the music like like just does it suit like other borderlands games like is it really just over the top like is it licensed soundtracks like is it does it fit the game in general being a fantasy kind of vibe definitely not licensed and oh thank you for bringing that up i i think this is actually one of its biggest downfalls i think and i hope i'm right about this that my issues with the sound are because so many people have been playing this that my game has been, until maybe a few hours ago today, constantly trying to connect to shift, connecting to shift, and then stopping uh, connecting to shift. And what I think that's doing is fucking with the background music and levels because mm. the, the music has been very, almost Arceus levels of non-existent. But oh, that's when it, awkward. But when it is Waterloo. there... When it is there, it's good. Like, it's, it's pretty good. It's a little bit overused, mo- mainly because the places that I know of it are in the hub world and in the areas around the hub world where it's just a similar theme. So I've gotten a bit used to that one. But what I'm hoping is that once the networking stuff has been sorted, uh, the music that they used just ambiently in Assault on Dragon's Keep was so good like, I cannot describe how good the music was just as background level music that I, I hope that it's something that I can just hear coming through again in Wonderlands. But I'm not sure about it, and I've had issues with it. So, yeah, okay. watch the space on that one. But no licensed soundtrack and nothing over the top yet that I've heard. Okay, so Baby Metal might have just been for the trailer. Um, the, the other question I had for you, uh, just before you wrap this up, is could you play this one without playing the original DLC? Yes. It, yeah. You can. So it's a standalone story. It's not like it's a direct sequel, but you can play this fine. Yeah. It's the there are there are pieces that um yeah. So that that's kind of the you need buy into Borderlands. There is nothing about what you play through in this that you require having played through Borderlands 2 or um 
uh, Assault on Dragon's Keep to enjoy more. But the main, uh, so the main queen from Assault on Dragon's Keep was Butt Stallion. Butt Stallion was a uh, joke introduced in Borderlands 2 by Handsome Jack, where he was so wealthy that he had a pony made of diamonds and he would call it Butt Stallion. <laughs> Actually, I remember so, that joke. <laughs> yeah, and so and so Tiny Tina took that and said that that was now the queen of Assault on Dragon's Keep. She, uh, Butt Stallion is, is back in Wonderlands. That's basically the the only holdover that I've found that, that you okay. would sort of need to know. Otherwise, you'd look at that and go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> but it's that that's the only continuation. So obviously then as well, just uh, is this, so you said there's hub worlds, then you you have individual levels then that you go the in and out of for the hub world? Fucking giant. I, yeah, the, I, I think it might be better that we, that we wrap this up a bit, uh, here because we've been spending longer yeah. than I wanted to on this but there is an overworld the overworld is done in a completely different style and you run around on a D&D board and I love it it's it's one of the biggest changes that they've made to other Borderlands games and they, they fucking nailed it for this one but the standard Borderlands experience of you load into a uh, level and there's a whole bunch of shit to do even if you've got even, even if a main quest goes through a level a lot of the levels that I've played through are so big that many of them will have side quests on entirely distinct pieces of that one level and it's it's almost overwhelming i say almost in that uh the one the one change that i wish they made in this one is just let me sell shit on the ground because i've i've had to reload and fast travel just to get to a shop to sell all the shit that i don't want and the shops are so sparingly placed in these massive levels that i have to backtrack a lot (laughs) Because I'm stingy mm. and I want to sell every gun that I'm not using. Yeah, fair. Can you but, still just discard them and just leave them? Oh, yeah, the yeah, you can discard them, but it just, I don't know, it, it's... <laughs> Feels wasteful, it's my, yeah. My, my, my inner hoarder doesn't like that waste. But if, <laughs> if they, like, the levels would be absolutely fine in, in scale. They, they, feel mount, they feel surmountable, they're just, they're just big. But just where the shop placement is and how often you need to backtrack to sell shit. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> just let me, let me sell stuff, please. <laughs> okay. So, with all that in mind, yeah. uh, rating out of 10? Nine. Nine and a half. Like, oh, wow. This, okay, that's high. The, the, this has sucked me in more than Elden Ring did. Not that this is a Whoa. better game than Elden Ring, but the gameplay loop, which I think I said in my, in my thing for Elden Ring, the gameplay loop of this is much closer to what I enjoy nine times out of ten than a game like Elden Ring. Yeah, so you're Ooh. in the same boat as I am when it comes to, like, the game we're talking about this week compared yeah. to Elden Ring. Yep. I mean, Elden Ring, yeah. much better game, but this is a much more Patrick game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and fair that's, enough. That's where I am with Stranger of Paradise as well. But, but Patrick, are you? You, you might have given it a nine out of ten, but are you enjoying it? What? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mean like the 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 shitty UX, the the people that are shitty at the UX uh, of Elden Ring and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I I am I am very like, I have laughed out loud more times playing this game than Borderlands 3 and probably pre-sequel combined. And I haven't oh, wow. finished this one yet. Like, out loud laughing. Like, holy fuck, that was so funny I had to actually laugh out loud at it. I am enjoying this. I'm glad there's good jokes in this one. To put your score in, into perspective, how, how long have you spent playing it so far? I hate epic games, and it doesn't tell me how long I've spent on things. But Well, just guess. 14 hours? Oh, okay. Yeah, so it substantial just came out yesterday, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I was thinking maybe a couple of hours, but that's that's actually quite no, a bit. It, it, it would have been it would have been at least twelve, I think. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's not all day today to play it. That, yeah. yeah, true. <laughs> Th- thanks for outing me like that, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. Hey. If um, if we're going if if I'm going to out you like that, I did uh, I played uh, um Stranger of Paradise for 17 hours on stream the last weekend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I am I am so so enjoying this, and um I know that uh currently I'm the only one playing it, but I know that um one of our mutual friends is playing it now, and I expect as other people realize that it's not just a one shot standalone DLC thing, that other people will be on board as well. I'd I'd buy it if it wasn't ninety dollars and on Epic. <laughs> yeah, I fair. I might be playing it a little down the line as well myself. Yeah, if I can get it for cheaper, I, I I'll play it. But ninety dollars mm. is a lot. For oh, and um, uh, major win for uh, I guess Gearbox. Uh, it was launched cross-platform. Uh, oh, uh, nice. Cross-platform multiplayer. Uh, nice. Which was which was sick because Sony's been typically real shitty with that kind of stuff. I think. Is it on everything? Is it on Xbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Xbox, oh, PS4. Um, on Xbox. Uh, I don't know which. PS5 definitely, I maybe PS4, I'm not sure, but PC, Xbox, and some so, some Sony console, <laughs> and obviously but, Switch, <laughs> yeah, and, and, mo- and, and mobile phone. Um, there's an and exclusivity, <laughs> yeah. There's an exclusivity deal with Epic because of course there is, but it'll come to Steam soon. What uh, should there be no crossplay between Epic and Steam version? That that's the only one I'm a little nervous of, but uh, because everything's done via Shift account, that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I remember when. I remember there was a whole hubbub about Borderlands 3 not having, like, a cross-save between them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's... Yeah, fuck. But yeah, overall, I'd say Borderlands 2 is still my favourite, far and away, but the, this is this is big Borderlands 2 vibes, and I am absolutely here for it. And with that, I'm actually just going to physically cut off the conversation, because that was double the length of time that I wanted to spend on it. But <laughs> good questions, Josh. <laughs> like, like, like gen- genuinely good discussion. It was just much longer than I was anticipating. However, uh, with that, that does bring us to the end of Round Lounge for this week, and we get to move on to part two for this week, which is, of course, the news. Now, starting off this week, we have Babylon's Fall falling even further from God. Even further beyond? You see, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that would give it more positive spin. Um, yeah, that's true. Seth. You, you've probably enjoyed dunking on Babylon's Fall more than the rest of us. You want to take us through this one? Yeah, let's continue to laugh at this game. Uh, so Babylon's Fall is uh, doing a version update, and uh, they've announced when they're going to do the collaboration event with um, Nier Automata. But that's not what you're here for. You're here for why are we laughing at it. And that's because for the tweets that they put out for this announcement, in, the, in the biggest, boldest letters underneath Babylon's Fall, it says, Is the continuing service in danger? Question mark. No, there's no plans to reduce the scale of development. But just that highlight of, is this game in danger, says all you need to know about the game right now. Like, what, two or three weeks after it's released? Yes. <laughs> and to add salt to the wound, I was actually looking at the um, the update notes, and it's a lot of stuff of, like, here's the things we're fixing and stuff. But the thing that caught my eye was that um, with the collaboration events, you get a 2B costume, a 9S costume, and a coffin case that looks like a meal, but those are all paid items, like real money paid, which is why are you doing this? Why are you making people hate this even more? <laughs> the coffin is symbolic for Babylon's fall failing. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Babylon is falling <laughs> into the coffin. But yes, uh, uh, Babylon's fall, I, I expect to hear this game getting cancelled in the new future, even though they said it's not in danger. A moment of silence. I, I really like 
so there's actually a tweet directly underneath it with they've, they've got rid of everything else and they've just got is the continuing service in danger and then yes in all giant letters and that's it that's the entire thing that they've added to. <laughs> the, the, um, there was also someone posting that's at a steam charts uh for march 19th which was 169 players uh 324 oh. in the 24 hour peak which is so that's... low. That's not hundred. That's that's just like that's like literally one hundred and sixty nine people. <laughs> Does anyone want the Steam charts for today, which is dating this the twenty sixth of March? Sure. Uh, I mean, sure, but I I I gotta know. I gotta know because I I played a little bit of All Star Brawl. I gotta see if I can add to that Steam chart number for people that have played All Star Brawl recently. Do you really want to pay one hundred and twenty dollars or whatever they want for it? No, thank you. Okay, so. For the Babylon's fall bit, four minutes ago it was at two hundred and three people playing it. In the wow. past, in the it past twenty four hours, it was three hundred thirty three. Yeah, and all time peak oh, is still one thousand one hundred and sixty six. Well, they're pulling numbers. <laughs> Whoever said? Uh, <laughs> I want to point out as well that someone said that this game is worse than um, Balan's Wonderworld. Which is an amazing statement. That. I so do yeah. I. I I I haven't seen gameplay of this game because I just have zero interest in it. But I've seen reviews and gameplay of Balan's Wonderworld, and that is fucking horrible. Yeah. So for people to be comparing it to that is such an insult. Uh, Which is also so, a Square Enix game, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. Yes. Poor oh boy, so they're not doing seeing, well. Seeing the, uh, I, I guess you know, with the with with pulling numbers like those, the the adage, um, uh, any publicity is good publicity. I think is technically true in this case. But I just looked up uh, Nick Allstar Brawl. Uh, guess how many people were playing it an hour ago? 24. I'm close. I'm being... 21. <laughs> oh. 21. God, it's lower than 24. <laughs> I, I was going to guess around 100. <laughs> the, Which is 20... hilarious because it was on Humble Bundle and everything. Like, they're basically giving this game away. <laughs> the, the 24 hour peak was 57. <laughs> I think I, I think you're one of those in the 24 hour peak. No, not I the 24. I, I played it. I played it a, um, earlier in the week, but I I am. <laughs> oh, I have played it for wow. exactly four minutes, and that four minutes told me everything I needed to about the game, and I uninstalled it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if we'll ever cover. Maybe if we're really desperate for content, I'll talk about how much I hated playing it. But actually, that honestly, that's kind of unfair. I enjoyed bits of it, but overall, I will not return. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting off topic, uh, Babylon's Fall, uh, welcome to the Trash Fire, buddy. Great to have you here. <laughs> Next up in the list. Another Square uh, Enix have, flop. Yeah, more, more Square Enix. Uh, Square Enix with Chocobo GP. Um, Seth, you were, you were keen for Chocobo GP at one stage, right? Uh, when it was initially announced, yeah, I was like, this could be fun. But then they started announcing their uh, live service uh, ways of handling this game. And I was like, instantly, no, fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, and um, because because of us specifically saying no, fuck off, they're deciding to change their live service adjustments to the game. Yep, you are welcome, people that played Chocobo GP. So uh, all zero of you. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. this is a Switch hey, exclusive, so we can't go get the Steam database numbers for these. I can give you the numbers straight out of my head. Um, seven and twelve. <laughs> why is why is one of them negative? Damn, <laughs> Damn the best Final Fantasy game next to the worst Final Fantasy game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe you're calling that the best Final Fantasy game. We need to have a further discussion on this later. So, so to give to give context, this is an article from Nintendo Life. Uh, Screenix details current issues and future of new Switch racer Chocobo GP, where they detail a bunch of stuff in there. Uh, the the sort of long and short, and the bit that I want to meme on the hardest is 
they talk about how yes they're they are aware that there are some bugs uh affecting the competitiveness and the fun of the game and they're working hard to fix it but my my word some of the bugs that they talk about uh i think my favorite one uh the statement also addresses a number of issues that screenix is looking to fix as soon as possible the ones it specifically points out are d Issues where races do not end in the correct way, such as the result screen coming up before completing the set number of laps, etc. That is that is the one job of a racing game. Which is hilarious. It's like the only thing. Yeah. I was laughing before this to, to Patrick saying that it'd be hilarious like watching the results pop up and you stop driving and then all of a sudden you go from first to last because everyone keeps overtaking you and the, the screen keeps like live updating. Or but, alternatively, oh. the, the, the dude who's in last is now in first because according to the, the servers, he was only doing a two-lap race and everyone else was doing three. <laughs> it's, it's such a stupid bug. How does that make it through? It's, it's incredible. <laughs> I just, like, it's like, like Patrick said, they're their one job. The only thing they had to get right was this. And they completely yeah. fucked it. The, the, yeah. big, the big thing for me is that um, they're moving characters off the paid battle pass. So we mentioned this before, but um, I, I think we did. But in season, yeah, we did. In, we did. in the first season of the game, they had um, it, Skull was going to be in the guild shop, which is uh, what you do for in-game currency, and Cloud was going to be on the battle pass. But you had to get the battle pass by using the in-game uh, paid currency. Uh, they've moved Cloud over to the free version, so you don't have to actually pay any money for him anymore. Um, and anything that's going to be on that paid uh battle pass is just going to be cosmetic items now instead of characters and going wow, forward the way it should have been yeah and going forward yeah. they're going to keep that system in place for a game that you I'm, pay full I'm price shocked. for that's that's just terrible so yep. i'm glad that they did that um i also want to point out just quickly because i just read the rest of these bugs the c one was a bug where the race timing start timing is not in sync so not only do you not finish at the right time but you also don't start at the same time yeah uh -huh. some people were playing as the final boss of uh, crash team racing where you go on the second buzzer <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent uh, like truly well, I mean, just if, if i plan to play it two hours ahead of everyone else <laughs> uh anyway next up on yeah so <laughs> good good job for i guess delivering comms on fixing what sound like really stupid bugs with your game hope it goes well uh next up on the list though we have i <laughs> it's a good meme i honestly don't get the context for this uh it's titled bloodborne cart is real and it looks like a fan-made trailer by fan software but someone will need to explain me what the hell this is okay so uh bloodborne cart has been a general like bloodborne meme for a long time but uh, Botstar, B, it, I'll spell it out so people can go follow her, but it's B-0-T-S-T-E-R. Uh, she made the uh, PS1 remake of uh, uh, Bloodborne and released it a month or two ago. And, yeah, we uh, talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, but uh, last year she did a April Fool's video that was like, I'm cancelling the Bloodborne remake. I'm going to make a PS1 uh, Bloodborne card instead. And she's dug up the code from that April Fool's video, and she is now actually making Bloodborne cut for real. Oh shit! Which is incredible. <laughs> custom cool. soundtrack and everything. Yeah, custom soundtrack, custom um announcer from um it's all community driven stuff, and it looks it looks pretty good already from like the small bits she's shown off. So I'm very excited for this. It'll be great. Sweet. Uh, next up on the list, an article from Gamatsu, where most of our articles are. <laughs> Where we have announcement of a wrestling RPG, which looks incredible. At first, I thought it was just a, a sick meme, but I could 
I could kind of get on board with this, actually. Uh, it's called WrestleQuest. It's been announced for PS5, Xbox uh, Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, yeah, we don't have a release date yet, but I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on this? No, I, uh, I I popped it in the chat. I think it looks awesome. Uh, it's just it's just a really cool concept. Like, it's a top-down 2D, like, re- turn-based wrestling game. Like, what's not to love? That, that All of those words put together sound so good. It's It's not exactly, but it's kind of like, visually uh, in the vein of um uh, of the mother games in like how it's laid out for the overworld it's like river city girls and um stuff like that yeah but in general this actually does look really cool and wrestling moves do lean themselves really well into like a turn-based rpg sort of uh, combat system so i'm excited to see how those go the can beating I, can enemies... I toy scarf an rko uh i hope there's an rko in there i i really <laughs> do um the beating enemies in a pin count is also a fantastic addition. But the thing that really gets me is that they have all these old WWF legends in there. So mm, they've got... Like Randy. Mark, yeah, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts. And I I don't know, WWE has such a stranglehold on those on wrestlers' names and gimmicks and stuff. I'm surprised they've got these in there somehow. Like, Yeah, I don't know how they've done it either. I was thinking that when I saw this. But, oh man, it looks so good. It looks like so much fun. It does. I, I'm pretty excited for this. It'd be worth checking out. Yeah, Sweet. No, this well, looks awesome. We look forward to one or both of you playing it and telling everyone else about it. Next up on the list, we have a Netflix trailer for Tekken. A, a, sentence, a, ten, a sentence I did not think I would say in a news section of a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but here me, we are. Me, specifically, I can't... I kind of expect this a little bit because uh, Tekken has done uh, uh, little movies and anime stuff before, so this is just adding another one to the this list. This is 3D CG and it looks terrible. I thought it looks decent. I think it looks horrible. <laughs> I, I, I don't like it. But I, yeah, I don't know. I just, 3D animation in general looks bad in anime and that's, uh, so I, I don't know. That's that's obviously subjective. I'm sure a lot of people like like yourself will really like it, but I just don't think it looks good. Some of the shots look like they're hand drawn, which is what is really nice to me. Like the art style and the cell shading they've done. Some of the shots do look pretty good. It's when the camera starts moving you can tell that this is mm. 3D. Um, but no, I think when it comes to Netflix's uh, attempts in 3D anime, this looks like one of the better ones as well. Yeah, that's not saying much though. When I mean, you compare it to something like a Jin, from the from the trailer, it looks like this is following. Is it Jin? Uh, yeah. training under Heihachi. Yep. So this is uh, this is going to be uh the story between Tekken Two and Tekken Three. So at the beginning of Tekken Three, they talk about how uh Jin uh Jin was uh, living out in the wilderness with his mother, and then Ogre came along and killed her, and he went off to train with Heihachi, and this is following that storyline. Like West filling Kuma. in those gaps. Well, where, where, at least Kuma in, the, uh, in the in the grand action. score of this. Uh Kuma is somewhere. He'll probably show up in a training fight with uh Jin because he is Heihachi's loyal bear. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I hope. Oh, random side point, real quick. Anyone else see that video going around of um of? <laughs> I need to describe what was in the video to see if you guys have seen it. Uh, someone <laughs> swinging from a branch. Getting punched in the getting punched in the abs by another <laughs> yes. man while the while a bear is rocking the branch back and forth. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that. I linked that, that in the wild. chat because I, I saw it captions. This is just an <laughs> SNK background. What? <laughs> I, how have I not seen this? That sounds amazing. I, th see, the thing is, you can go and look up that exact description and there's only one video. Because <laughs> it's so literal. I mean, I don't think it'll pop up if I look it up, to be honest. Uh, anyway. Fantastic video. It just reminds me of what I what I'm now hoping and expecting to be in the Tekken series. <laughs> hey Archie training Jin on a branch with Kuma shaking the tree. <laughs> anyway, um next Funky up. Funky will be happy. <laughs> next up on the list. Um Fighting Game Fighting Game Master Seth, you'll you'll have to you'll have to take this next one. Uh, we have some guilty gear news for everyone. Do you just want me to take over for the whole fighting game block that we have here? Might as well, yeah. Okay, so Arc Revo happened, which is a Arc System Works uh, tournament. This year it was just Guilty Gear Strive. But at these oh, yeah. events, they always have new announcements of uh, new games or characters or whatnot. Um, to start off with, in Guilty Gear Strive, they're adding in Testament. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk about Testament because mis it was mistranslated in the past, but people thought that Testament was a guy that was just very feminine looking. But no, uh, nope. Testament has always been a non-binary character or agender, and uh, uh, to hammer this home even more, uh, they got a trans voice actor for the English version of it, uh, for the English dub, which is a pretty cool thing that they've done. Yeah, and Testament looks amazing. Testament does it look great. Like such and a also, fun character Also, they gave, they gave them a new hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a new hat. <laughs> more important than any other thing mentioned so far. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it it kind of is because um with how much uh, Guilty Gear is like we love heavy metal and heavy rock. There's never been a character that has the slash hat, and now yeah. we've got a slash hat. Uh, test so Testament comes out March twenty eighth if you have the season pass, and March thirty first if you're just buying the individual DLC. Uh, following up on that, they also announced that DNF Duel will be coming out June twenty eighth. And they showed the uh, Machinist, I think it is, plus will be also added to the game. Uh, not much shown for her, though. It was just a quick teaser. But good to have a, um, a release date for that. And maybe we'll get more ramped up announcements coming soon now that we know how far off it is. Might as well just handle the next, next couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Continuing in the fighting game theme. Next up is that uh, Street Fighter v this going in like order of when these were announced. Uh, Street Fighter Five yeah, sure. is getting a March update that both makes the game look better and worse at the same time because of the filters they've got on. Uh, these filters are only for the, <laughs> the offline. Filters look so bad. <laughs> the filters are only for the offline mode as well, so it's you're never going to see them ever. Um, because most people play this online. Um, yeah. one of the filters adds a cell shaded look to the game, which. I don't know. I think it makes the game look a little better than what it normally does with that cell shaded filter on. Yeah, it, it looks like Dragon Quest. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and um, but the, the, the first filter they showed off made them look like they were made out of clay. Which oh really no, strange. No, uh, th that's just how the game normally looks when they look like they're made out of clay. Oh god, is it really? Yeah. I haven't played Street Fighter Five, but that looks awful. Okay, I prefer the Soul Shader one. Yeah, no, Street Fighter V is a horrible-looking game. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but the second filter they showed off was this really horrible pixel filter. I, I don't know what they're doing with this, because I I feel like they're going for a CRT look, but it just looks all sorts of wrong. 
Um, besides that, they're doing a balance update. I think this is the last major balance update to the game that's going to be coming out since Street Fighter 6 is on the way. And most importantly, they added new colors to the tracksuit outfits for everyone. Uh, next up and the last of the fighting game block is that it, there was a fighting game roundtable that happened earlier in the week. And not a lot happened in there. A lot of what we just talked about was reiterated at that event. But SNK decided to say, hey, King of Fighters 15 is going to get a free DLC character with uh, Rugal, who is a very popular um, boss character from the mid middle era of um, the SNK games. And uh, they also said that they're going to do a special mode where you have a souped up uh, Omega Rugal boss fight. And uh, uh, by beating that boss fight you get a special costume a new stage and a new song for the game sweet i don't really have anything to add to that josh no me either yeah cool okay and that's the fighting block done hey thank you for that sir uh next up on the list we have uh the dragon quest creator accepting a lifetime achievement award now i maybe someone who's played more than the zero dragon quest i have would like to talk through this one imagine imagine having that bad of a taste in games patrick <laughs> <laughs> Some, Sorry, some, okay, some, some do call me the Josh of uh, video game tastes. <laughs> Sorry, go on. This, this award basically is just like an award given to recognize a certain person's career and achievements in the industry itself. So, uh, yeah, just Yuji Hori uh, absolutely deserves this because Dragon Quest is such an incredible franchise that Honestly, the landscape of JRPGs would not be anywhere near what it is if it wasn't for Dragon Quest. Yeah, and they said as well that, uh, well, he said that he was working on Dragon Quest Twelve. so, hell yeah. Yeah, I think he's worked on all of them. Like, I don't think he's ever left the series. I don't think they've announced Dragon Quest Twelve. is why I bring it up. No, they have. We've talked have about they? it before. I've missed on... that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they, they haven't shown much for it. They've just shown a logo for it. But yeah, Dragon Quest Twelve is coming. Oh, that's right. They showed that weird redone logo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And they okay. were talking about how they want to breathe some sort of new life into the franchise in how they do the combat, but they didn't specify what it is. And a lot of people are scared for it. Yeah, no, me too. But okay, no, that, that that's good. Anyway, yeah, well deserved. I'll hold judgment on 12 until we see what it actually is. Uh, next up on the list, we have a Gamatsu article talking about how uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed uh, until spring 2023. Honestly, not Next up surprising. on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is very quick, but I'm not surprised. A lot of games get delayed at this point, so yeah. it's, it's not Pro a surprise. Probably thing. for the best. Yeah, probably yeah. for the best. Yep. Uh, li literally nothing else we can add to that, but yep. Anyway. <laughs> um, I, next I'll, up. I'll add in that I'm excited for that game, so like, give it that extra bit of time to bake, and that'll make me more excited. Yes, but you're also excited to pay $80 for Dragon Ball The Breakers, so we have to take that with a bit of salt. <laughs> I don't know, it seems like you delivered it with a lot of salt too, Josh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well... Next up on the list, um, we have Sony discussing their uh, new sort of Game Pass-esque tier subscription thing, which we've heard a lot about. Uh, it might be releasing as early as next week, which means, like, might, and... might have been announced by the time people listen to this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Depends uh, on how fast or slow Seth works, I guess. 
hopefully it'll be out by US balls, Monday, balls which means your... there's a two-day gap on where it early still counts. Ball, balls in your court there, buddy. <laughs> I don't know, that 30-minute uh, Tiny Tina discussion might might push it a little bit. I'll oh, probably just stri- strip that out into its own spoiler cast. Uh, we can have Josh edit that one. Anyway, um, within... <laughs> That article within the article um we have i i don't think there's anything particularly new we we've heard rumors and things about there being three tiers uh going from um was was these confirmed or is this just what uh these are these are all just insider speculation yeah. uh Sweet. and hubbub so yeah jeff insider Grubb, speculation oh sorry you you, you yeah. go you go jeff, jeff grubb is going on to say that um he's heard that the service will cost as high as 16 dollars per month You'll have $10, which is what PlayStation Plus is currently. $13 will get you um, a little bit extra. Let me just skim the article to find where this is. Um, it, it, the second, so the $13 will give you a catalog like ga- uh, Game Pass does at the moment. And yeah. $16 will give you access to PlayStation Classics and extended demos and game streaming, which is what PlayStation now is. And apparently they're not considering doing um their brand new exclusive exclusive day one for free like game pass does because sony has said before that they don't think that's viable for them to do the games cost too much money and doing that sort of um service would heavily bankrupt them (laughs) i don't know about you but i'm looking forward to playing the uh not quite tomb raider and uh not quite um what was the other game the walking dead ripoff last of us Okay, no, I'm done with my bad takes. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had to throw them in there. I was just confused. <laughs> yeah, so was I for a moment. I, I didn't know where you were going with it, and, and then it just clicks that when Not Quite Tomb Raider meant Uncharted, which is funny because yeah. Tomb Raider started copying Uncharted afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I like Tomb Raider better, but that's me. But yeah, um, this is this is all just speculation at the moment, though. Well, I'm glad that if this does happen at the beginning of the week, it puts all the speculation to end, and we actually know for sure what this is. Yep. I, I'm confused by them not having day one releases, honestly. Like, yeah, yeah, it might not be super viable, but I mean, it's working for Microsoft, and people subscribe to that because of that, and they're having lots of people talk about and play their games because of that. Um, so... It's, it just seems odd. But I also don't think the Xbox games have been as impressive as the PlayStation ones as frequently. I don't know. Infinite was pretty impressive. But yeah, not as frequently, I guess. There's less There's less of those titles now yeah. for Microsoft. Mm. I don't know. I think uh, it's only anyway, to get their 120. We'll, obviously, all of this is just speculation, so we'll have to wait and see uh, next week. Um, you know, pre- pre-recorded... Uh, reaction to what it what was announced next week yo that's crazy <laughs> man i hope, can't believe hope. they're ripping us off like this no nah, neither neither i can't believe um, it comes with a nintendo console <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe they're calling it pain gas that's crazy i can't believe they're doing a vita too but that'd be <laughs> exciting if they announced that with like as a streaming thing and they, they release another psp i would buy it <laughs> that would be more impressive than the than the subscription tiers <laughs> it would be <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, going on to the other piece of Sony news for this week, uh, they decided to just um, quit, pull, a, pull a cheeky one on us and go and buy another studio. Um, not Bungie this time. Actually, we don't even know how much for this time, but uh, Haven got picked up by Sony. I don't even know what, ha- what Haven did or does. Me either. Uh, 
they haven't done anything yet, so this is actually not too surprising <laughs> either because this. Kind of... Yo! <laughs> They're running Imagine a Kickstarter a and got picked and up by Sony. <laughs> yeah. Um, this... Literally just slap a name on a building and then ask Sony to be bought out. <laughs> You're close because uh, um, uh, this apparently Haven also started with uh, Sony money as well. Like, um, they, started, oh, they, they invested in this company as they were being built up and now they're just like okay we'll just own you and they haven't done anything yet but they employ 60 people <laughs> yeah they haven't done anything yet but this is the um studio that's being helmed by jade raymond who i i'm pretty sure the last most significant thing her name has been attached to was the early assassin's creed games like assassin's creed 1 and 2 so um, i don't know man i smell a tax write-off yeah, she, she's been all over the place since. She's been at Ubisoft, she's been at Google, and she's been at PlayStation for a little bit. Um, I don't know what specifically she's worked on since the Assassin's Creed 2 stuff, but um, she is still quite a big name in the industry, so... If she was uh, working at Google and they're an incredibly large gaming industry, I'm sure that her games that she worked on at Google were well-known and well-loved. My, yeah. my favorite line is, uh, is, is the first line of her statement, uh, talking about the acquisition, saying, One year ago this month, we embarked on a journey to start Haven Studios with a small team and big ambitions. You're like, it took you a year? It wasn't even a year. <laughs> one year this month. It's like, it's not one year ago. It was one year this month. No, it's just like, you, you, you found, hey, do you guys want to found a gaming studio real quick? <laughs> I reckon. We'll just it's, ask Sony to buy us out. It's and gonna, yeah, yeah, exactly. Out. It's it's not going to do anything now, but in a year, trust me. <laughs> to be fair, it does take multiple years to get games made. I'm not even thinking. I just mean the acquisition thing. Like, it's crazy that that I, I guess if it, if it was started with Sony money, it makes more sense. But it's just crazy that a otherwise third party um, studio can start and then get acquired within a year, given that it takes multiple years to make games. But anyway, yeah. that's that's the reason why I'm not leading a gaming studio. I just also find it funny. Also, <laughs> last note is that they were bought out because uh, they're going to be helping with Sony live service stuff, which will tie into oh, another sorry. news. I'm not even going to play their games. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, do you want to tie that one in now? Because I don't know which one you're thinking of. Uh, Grand Turismo 7? 7 and how yeah. that's going yeah, as a live okay. service game. Yeah, okay, it was Grand Turismo 7. I, I thought it was going to be positive news, but no, okay, we'll, we'll do, we'll do Grand Turismo 7 now then. Live service um, and positive? Oh, well, question mark. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Couldn't I, be Sony. I hope you didn't want to play Grand Turismo 7 last weekend because the game was down for 30 hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, turns out there was a... How did this work? They, they realized they were going to push a broken update, or they did push a broken update, so they decided to just keep it offline and then just do a secondary update to fix the first update and decided to make this even better, they wouldn't tell anyone about it for the first 24 hours, and then say, oh yeah, no, we know about it, we're working on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, so it was gonna mess up close, data But um, what happened is they pushed the 1.07 update out, realized, oh no, this breaks retail copies of the game because they only tested it on dev versions. So they quickly took everything offline and uh, started making a 1.08 update. But they actually communicated at the beginning that this is uh, that uh, they were addressing some issues. It's just that they went silent for thirty hours and didn't say anything. Yeah, and they were working on one point oh eight, and the reason it was down was because it's always online game, so you couldn't even play it offline. Yeah, so which is people were just like, I can't even play this game. People couldn't even play single player events because of this always online stuff, and that is just 
incredibly stupid. I don't know about you guys, but I, probably... I much prefer my SimCity experience when I, when it maintains a constant internet connection. God, <laughs> you'd think people would have learnt by now since SimCity, but no. <laughs> no. You would. You'd What's really surprising so. to me, right, and probably Patrick as well, is we, we both work in IT. If we were, If there was something going on and there was an outage for 24 hours, there would have had to have been, like, some kind of communication or plan for communication as part of like a change request or something and they just did nothing they just went radio silent about a brand new game for over 24 hours like what yeah they, That's they communicated shocking. at the beginning hey we found a bug the game's going offline until we can fix the bug and they didn't even communicate that it was back they, oh, didn't they? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I was checking. I was checking their Twitter and everything, and uh, people were saying, "Oh yeah, I'm back in the game now and playing it." But I didn't see any announcement from um their Twitter page that they were back <laughs> up. It was just the, the, there's just, there's just a reply from Polyphony Digital on that one, just saying bet. <laughs> yeah, bet. Yeah. It's uh, literally they've just gone. Oh, we've took too long to do an update. We, if we don't say anything, we have plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we. Probably do need to, to pick things along because we got other things to talk about. But um, uh, other things that were, yeah. What what else was in this update? Uh so there's there's this one thing I want to point out is that people keep talking about how they've um reduced the credit rates that people were grinding. I just want to point out that it wasn't just reductions. They like in it was like an average thing. So some events went up in price and some event went some events went down in prices. So there was like some sort of balance adjustment to how these credits are being paid out. But the overall news is that uh, some late game races had their credits payout reduced, which is going to increase the grinds that people take to get cars now. And uh, they've also adjusted some bugs, I believe. Um, I'm not too sure what was actually in the 1.07 update besides that the currency adjustment. But since then, uh, the uh what's his what's his name sorry i i've got this all up here but it's um it's all over the place kazunori yamauchi he came out and had like a small update for players and he said that um uh they uh they uh, they're hearing people's uh, complaints and they're going to increase the uh, they're going to add in things in april that will increase the uh, rewards uh, for players doing world circuit stuff by approximately 100% on average, so basically doubling what's in the game at the moment. They're going to increase the rewards for clearing circuits with golds and bronze events, uh, increasing rewards for online races, and they're going to be adding new events that, that have big payouts as well. So that should at least do some something to reduce grind for people. Uh, and... Yeah, they didn't talk about anything about making an offline mode, though, which is, that's the big one that people want addressing. Like, yeah. the credits is all well and good, and making the grinds less for people is a good move, but give people an offline mode, please. So if something like this happens again... Yeah, like, if I want to go play Gran Turismo 3, I can. If I want to play Gran Turismo 7, there's a good to fair chance that I can't. And one of those yeah. games was released 20 years ago. <laughs> so, Josh, question for you. Uh, the article that mentions this talks about how, partially as a result of the changes, mostly as a result of the outage, people flock to Metacritic to review bomb the score. The article lists that the review score is down to 3.2. 
Now, yes, gut feeling. Is it higher or lower? Oh, now. I know what it is. I, I oh, it's, and it's lower. Okay, well you ruined it's the surprise. It's a lot lower. Then. Yeah, it's, it's down one point seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping that you wouldn't horrible. have uh, read that, read that ahead. Um, no, no I I read it because um at least it, I knew it was one point seven yesterday or the day before because people oh, kept well. review bombing it constantly. Um, just because they, they were pissed off with the updates and the fact that it had been down for 30 hours. Basically, it went down to 3.2 when people were like, oh, we can't play the game. And then the game became playable again, and people were like, oh, you've ruined the little bit of fun I had in this game, and now that they're playing it again, the, the score's lower to 1.7. <laughs> I believe I this saying, is the lowest-rated oh. Sony game and the most review-bombed Sony game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the lowest Sony game, I think, of all time reviewed user score-wise on Metacritic. Or at least the PS5 one, definitely. I, I don't know if it's all Sony games, but that's, that's really low. Um, especially compared to the critic score of 87. I, I, like something funny one. was that I saw one of the uh, user review scores was like, this, this uh, website is useless because it has an 87 Metacritic. What does that even mean? While giving, yeah, the, well, giving their review a zero. <laughs> I mean, you can look through all the critic reviews and they almost mean nothing. And then you'll see... Like, there's one down the bottom that's a rated 60 that's talking about if you can go for all the, the clunky menus, endless dialogue, and 100 visits to the cafe, then there's a racing game, like an excellent racing game somewhere to be found in Gran Turismo 7, which just says everything I need to know about the game, honestly. So, well, I mean, everything you need to know about the game was summed up in my thoughts last week, which you went and listened to and thoroughly enjoyed. That's fine. Well, um, I think you only played a couple of hours of it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, no, no, I like genuinely I had. And I'd, I'd played that a couple hours um, pre-patch when all I, when I already had access to some fun cars, cause it wasn't my account, wasn't my PS5 and wasn't my game. Uh, real TLDR was fun game. I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> and <laughs> seem, seems like that's still true. One funny thing that happened between now and then, which is the last thing I'll say before we move on. Uh, when you go into the brand system and you're like, I want to buy a Lamborghini. I want to buy a Ferrari. One of the, uh, you, one of the European brands that you can choose from is Lewis Hamilton, where he doesn't have a car to, t uh, to sell you. You can just go through the steps in his life huh. and i find it very weird that's that that's really in an strange. auto dealer yeah yeah that's really odd and someone I, um... and, and then and then someone at polyphony digital someone's job was to go through and go okay lewis hamilton won this championship in this year and just correlate it with some fucking random world event like the stock exchange had one of the biggest hacks in history and lewis hamilton won his sixth world championship you're like Wait, what? what? That's really <laughs> how, strange. How is that connected? <laughs> They're saying that he caused the... the no, no, no. It's, 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 it's literally just like, what else happened at that time? Oh, this yeah, random no, that's other really world weird. event. But yeah, it's in the auto show. I don't understand it. I don't know. Weird. I'd also review Bob I'm kidding. But it's just, it's, it was just funny. Uh, but yeah, still enjoyed the racing. Wouldn't buy it. It's funny because I look at it and go, oh, I, I really look forward to the next Forza Motorsport game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, second to last, we have, um, oh, actually, I don't know, group, group decision, we want to talk Hogwarts, or do we want to, do we want to, uh, talk about Bobby Kotick? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're both led by terrible people, so we can choose either one. <laughs> Seth, make the call. We're running at uh, 38 minutes, we don't have long. You know what, we always leave Activision for last, so let's get, uh, Hogwarts done, and then cool. end on Activision. Oh boy. Uh, funny enough, I think Stephen was the only person that I know was going to play this as well, and he's not here to talk I about know, it. <laughs> I, Trinity is excited for this, and she wants to pre-order it, but I am going to wait on it myself. I I'm didn't even see the, um, money the announcement to this, so either of you are going to have to give their, their summary, because I, I know nothing about this game. Or oh, Yusuf. Oh, oh, Don't God. speak at once. <laughs> oh god, no, because I've watched this 
twice and so much of it just leaves my head uh so <laughs> we could ju- we could just say that there was some hogwarts and uh, legacy announcement and that people can go and watch it if they're interested there was obviously the game but, was really cool but yeah, yeah so uh, they showed like 14 to 15 minutes of um gameplay for the game and they show a lot of like you exploring around hogwarts uh you make your own character and that you get to choose the house that you go in um they said that this takes place in the 1890s and uh, um you're going to be a fifth year student not a first year student so you'll just go through like the life of a hogwarts student during their fifth year you'll go you'll get to go to hogsmeade the village um that's near hogwarts and there's some sort of open world elements like you'll get to ride your broom around this big expansive area but they didn't show a whole, whole lot for that and they started showing plot details for the game, which is that um, outside of the Hogwarts life, there's going to be a goblin uprising that's happening in the world. And it, you'll probably be involved in it, stopping that uprising from going through, which is getting a lot of eyebrows raised by people online. Mm-hmm. We don't need to talk why, about why? that, though, honestly. Like... Oh, okay. If we're not going to talk about it, that's fine. We'll move on, but... I, uh, I if you know, know like anything about summation? if you know anything about the uh JK Rowling, then um you can start putting the pieces together of how goblins relate to her views. Uh, yeah, gotcha. yeah. No, she's just not a good person. And yeah, uh, unfortunately, um, yeah. The game looks really cool, but yeah, I, gameplay wise, the game looks really cool. Like you got a lot of like using the spells around in um like dual sort of scenarios, and you're constantly flashing things around and uh, uh, interacting with the environment and enemies in cool ways. Uh, there was one thing I did want to point out in that this looks like it'll have some sort of online elements and there's a timer system in there which is making me put my hands in my palms because they've got like, oh hey, you can grow these things and make potions with them and collect items to make these things come through. But once you start using them, it's like, okay, um, come back in 24 hours, real, real world time. And it's like, why is this in here? How does one put one's hands in their palms? I think it was just a Freudian slip, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the, 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 game, the game looks um, interesting, to say the least. I, I think it, like, visually is quite good for a, a Harry Potter game as well, because I used to play a lot of them. Um, I remember playing the Chamber of Secrets game back on GameCube, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, this one's coming to Switch, so I'm very curious on how this holds up <laughs> Yeah, that was on the, the other Switch. thing, that after the uh, state of play, they announced that this is also getting a Switch port, and God, how's that going to work out? Yeah, I don't know if it's coming day one to Switch. I think they said it is. But, uh, what? Why? <laughs> I guess it's to just reach, like, a, a lot of the Harry Potter fans in gaming, I guess there's not a huge amount of crossover. There's a lot, but, like, it's not everyone. So they might just be trying to reach every market they can. Yeah, most likely. And lucky last on the, well, <laughs> that was a poor choice of words. Uh, for the news this week, <laughs> Bobby Kotick goes and does it again activision blizzard the gift that no one wants to keep on giving but it does so anyway uh a new that's right not the previous a completely different uh sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit has been filed against activision blizzard uh this time pertaining to uh apparently 700 reported incidents occurring under bobby Kotick's watch uh 700 that was just just to re-round that back <laughs> yep. yep not 700 half incidents 700. <laughs> God fucking damn it. And and it's by a current employee, not like yeah. former employees either, so 
It's, yeah. it's coming directly from the inside this time. I don't know that there's a huge amount we can add to this. It's all for the, it's the same shit as the previous one. Frat boy culture, being a woman that, that works there is just a shit time. Um, you know, had little past over for promotions because of trying to speak out about the toxic culture. The, the usual... I don't want to... It sounds awful to say the usual shit, but it kind of is the usual shit at I, this point. I want to point out that one of the lines here is that um, they've alleged it, that complaints about excessive drinking and sexual advances made by her supervisors were explained away as leadership trying to be nice and trying to be friends with her. Which is... What? <laughs> How do they come to that <laughs> yeah, conclusion? Right. She also claims to have not been told to air her concerns due to reputational damage it could have on the company. I think yeah. the reason that she's fought it now is like, well, it's not going to get any worse. <laughs> but no, like, oh, yeah, it's it's not. But like, yeah, genuinely, like, it's it's all it's all part of the same shit. Like, there's there, there's not a huge amount in this that we haven't seen before, which is terrible to say, but it's just kind of like, yeah, it's it's shit. We'll see if anything gets done about this one because, I mean, we we know how the previous one ended and Bobby Kotick not being able to um get you know. Uh, pulled up for, for historic shit so that might be a similar one even though it is a, for a current employee. I don't know. It'll get bogged down in legalese. Um, we'll keep an eye on it oh, just because... Oh, one last thing I want to say is that following off what Josh said, uh, they've also said that uh, they applied for an exec executive uh, assistant position in November 2021 and it was rejected because they spoke out against the company the following month. So the lawsuit digs even deeper like uh, the um, you cut speaking out against the company will ruin the company's damn uh reputation. But also doing that means you're not going to advance in the company itself. Mm. Yeah, which is hardly surprising. Um, shit reality. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much to longer talking about it. I really don't want to talk about it at all. But here we are. Uh, that brings us to the end of the news this week. Uh, mixed bag. A lot of good. One bad. Uh, audience mm. question for this week. We have a question from Tom, big fan of the show. He asks, what do you believe was the most annoying game mechanic or change that became a genre staple? For example, chest high walls and weapon degradation. Who wants um, to step up to bat this one first? Always online. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good answer. Yeah, that's can't argue with that. Just, just look at how Grand Series I 7 went last week. I had a different answer, but that is a good one. Yeah. Um... Mine was, so because it said, like, you know, it became a genre staple. Um, and this is one of the reasons I love Elden Ring is that it doesn't do this. Uh, every single open world game having the Ubisoft problem of, hey, go collect several hundreds of these, <laughs> including you, Legends Arceus. Have you, um, have you documented every air molecule yet? You should go do that. Yeah, you go should go do it, yeah. tower to unlock portions of the map. <laughs> yeah, like, there's just, yeah, I, I absolutely hated that. That's probably my most hated thing in a game. If I load it up and it's got that, more often than not, I'm just going to close the game. And I'm just going to refund it on Steam. Like, I, I don't want to play it. I think unneeded gacha mechanics, like, as a way to unlock rewards in the game. So it might not use real-world money, but making you roll to unlock things instead of just going and unlocking the things you want when you want is an annoying workaround that developers have done for some reason. It's happened mm, in a few yeah. racing games, it's happened in a few fighting games, and it's just, why is this here? You're just... Or the, ex yeah. the, the extension of that, which is the, um, uh, there's, there's a good Reddit thread about, like, the number of different gacha mechanics and how you can sort of separate them into different groups, but the, the one that, uh, fucks with me is the, we're gonna give you two alternate prices for something that you can get in-game, 
One of them is using in-game currency, one of them is using real-game currency, but the real-game currency is converted by its own ratio into an in-game currency. You can just only purchase it with real money. I fucking hate that mechanic. Mm. So in- instead, of, instead of going into a shop and being like, oh, I can buy Cloud for, for $3, it's, I can buy Cloud for, for 200 shiny orc shits, but each orc shit is like 30 cents. <laughs> but if I spend $10 on shiny orc shits, I get 300 plus another 100 bonus. So I'd be losing money if I didn't. Like that entire <laughs> system, yeah. that entire thing I want gone. If, I fucking I, hate that. If I pay $100 uh, for all this currency, I get another $100 get worth for free. It's basically yeah. for free if I'm not doing it. <laughs> it's like it's like every fucking Mario Kart uh, phone monetization of how would you like to buy for a limited time this week only two characters and a bunch of in-game currency for $30. Like, that's like, that's like multiple meals. <laughs> yeah. You can get the whole Mario Kart what? DLC pack for cheaper than that. Yeah. 48 yeah, brand that. new courses in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, cheaper than yeah. one Diddy Kong in Mario I'm, Kart Tour. I'm, I'm okay with the surprise mechanics. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a fan of them, but I, I understand why they are there, and I think in some cases they can serve a legitimate role but the obfuscating of real values by putting, like, shiny tags in front of things, like shards and gems and bullshit, rather than just dollary do values, get fucked. I think, I think I actually have a different answer now. Personally, I had a problem with the Microsoft Store when they were using um, Xbox Live points to denote everything, because, I, like, I, I mostly interact with PlayStation consoles. So I was always like, what the fuck is 800 Microsoft points worth? <laughs> yeah, they got rid of that in the 360, though. Yeah, they, after the 360, yeah. So I, w- yeah, I was glad when they got him. rid of it. <laughs> but the, the, it, it, Pat talking about that just reminded me of that, and I just needed mm. to quickly air it out. To be fair, like, using a credit card online back then was, like, considered kind of sus, so I think it was just a way of, like, easing people into doing it, so they could go buy the, the dollars with their cards. They could have just done dollar values on the cards, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah, I would have just preferred the dollar values yeah. on the card. I think it also just helped, uh, like, 800 Microsoft points is easier than saying $25 and then doing, um, like, as 800 Microsoft points is the same for everyone, rather than having changed in a dollar value for every different country because they have obviously different conversion rates and stuff, so I think that was part of it too. But yeah, no, I agree. It's stupid. I'm, I'm much in favor of having a, just a dollar value and then having a store for each region. Um, I want to change my answer from the Ubisoft one. I think the push to live service games and having multiple season passes for every single game that release is probably my answer. That that pisses me off beyond belief. Yeah. Not everything needs to be a live service game. Like, it, I, like I get it really for good certain games, games but others not so much. Like, a, yeah. a fighting game, I understand as a live service, multiple season passes, because it just extends the life out so much more, so if one fighting game lasts an entire generation instead of, like, making multiple full-priced games throughout yeah. the generation, but others not so much. Yeah, like, I think, yeah, having six different season passes for, like, a truck simulator game or whatever is just <laughs> shit. Um, I think, like, every single game that I've tried to buy recently has tried to sell me to a bigger edition with um, a season pass, which more often than not, I'm never going to use, but it feels like a waste if I don't buy it. Yeah, uh, yeah deluxe editions <sighs> that have things oh. in them uh, that feel like they should just be included in a base game. Especially okay. like games with day one DLC, like, hey, you can buy this, or you can buy this bigger edition that comes with DLC on day one. And I'm like, well, it's not DLC then, is it? Because I'm downloading it with the fucking base game. 
Yeah, but you're downloading <laughs> the game, so... I haven't yeah, bought Tales of Arise yet because it's like, I want to get the deluxe edition for all the stuff that that includes, but that's $150 full price. Yeah, and so like my, half of that content probably doesn't exist yet. My, my answer to the question as the question is 100% always online games. Fucking get out of here. But I, I will... This is answering a different question, but I do need to highlight this because I'm so glad it's gone. As a gone as a mechanic, it's not a genre staple, but just because it's in the same vein of what we're talking about, the fact that you no longer have to buy a game and an online pass for that game, good job. Whoever decided that that needed to go, good job. Yeah, online you, passes were absolutely horrible. EA started that, and then Sony was doing it for a little bit. I literally don't think I've ever bought a game that has required me to buy an online pass for they, it. They, haven't exi- they, they existed solely in the last two years of the Xbox 360 and PS3. Yeah. I never any, played any, any of Any game that you wanted to buy pre-owned, you had to then, no matter what you paid for the pre-owned oh, game, had to buy another 20 bucks yes. if you ever wanted to play it online. No, I know what you're talking about. I didn't, I didn't buy any of those games. Um, I, yeah. Do, do you have an example on what they were? PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale had one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that says enough, doesn't it? A, a lot of, a lot of that tier of games did. Uh, like, I remember... I yeah, think that Space remember, 3 like, did. Probably. And, like, pretty much anything that they touched in that, in that golden era of shit. I also don't think, like, for me, because you guys would have been playing consoles at that point, I was definitely playing PC by then, so... I don't think that ever existed on PC. Well, you can't really buy pre-owned games, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so it, that's probably why it sort of skips over. But I know what you're talking about. That's that's a dumb system. I'm glad that's gone too. I'm glad it was so short-lived. It shouldn't have been around at all. Yeah. Oh, one that's one that's also dead, but was really annoying is um at, like interaction between like a second screen experience. So you'd have the game and you could also <laughs> do stuff on your mobile phone. Oh, I'm glad interact. that's dead. Yeah, I never did any of that. Especially, I, I like, love... Nintendo still trying to force it for voice chat. Get fucked. I, I, I love the one for, um, I think it was, it was either Sly 2 or Sly 3, where it's like, do you have a, do you have a, a microphone that you want to connect? If you have a microphone that you want to connect, you better make sure that you don't make any noise when you're around a guard or they'll notice you. And you're like, well, that just makes my experience worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would I ever do that? <laughs> um, oh. None of, all of these are game mechanic things. None of these are genre staples, though. Is there any genre staple we can think of before we wrap this up? Uh, well, the Ubisoft um, open world fucking collectathon. Yeah, no, that, that, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Seth, Seth, yeah, you, you got an equivalent for that? I'd probably have to go with the same thing, honestly. Like, every open world just becoming Ubisoft open world clones was really annoying, and Ubisoft just doing the exact same game, but a different coat of paint. I have another genre staple that was also very annoying that has died off a lot. Um, every single action-adventure game requiring uh, QTEs. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> I think that was just a general... <laughs> games thing because it wasn't just action adventure games it happened across a lot of things i can tell you right now i've never done a qte in a turn-based game <laughs> definitely a genre thing <laughs> there, there, there wasn't in, in like some mario rpgs was there yeah uh the mario oh, and luigi really games had them, them and uh my uh, mario, mario and luigi game a turn-based game mario and luigi yeah they were turn-based Talking about like Super Mario Brothers, or is that an actual game thing that they did? No, Mario that was an Luigi. actual game thing. Mario and Luigi oh. Superstar Saga and oh, I've never even heard of that. Stuff. What, what were they on? Sixty-four. Uh, G- they were all handheld ones. GBA, uh, DS. Okay, I was poor. I had Pokemon once a year, and that was it. Yes, yeah, Super <laughs> Mario RPG also had the timed hits mechanic, which is basically a QTE. Either way, I'm glad they're dead for the most part. They were fine in small amounts. Like 
uh, Shadow of War, ending that game with a QTE was the biggest upset of my Shadow life. of Mordor as well. So Did Shadow of Mordor do it as well? God damn yeah. it. So mine as a genre thing, I don't think it's my true answer, but it's the one, it's the one thing that I can think of because I've hit it recently, of kind of in line with the season pass thing. If you... If, if a game is marketing itself as you need to log in or do something within this specific time window for this thing and then gives you no other way of obtaining that thing. Yeah. That's that's a staple stuff. now. That's yeah. definitely a staple now, I think. I'm thinking of like Horizon 5 where it's like, oh, you you happen to be away from your computer for a week. You, goodbye, not only the week's worth of stuff that you could have got, but that also cripples your ability to get the month's worth of stuff because it's all linked. And... If you're lucky, it'll come back later on, but more often than not, it won't. Whereas, mm -hmm. I don't know, keep loading it above everything, Deep Rock Galactic. Oh yeah, we have a season pass, but don't worry if you're not around to play it, we'll just add it to the regular loot pool later. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Time gating mechanics are stupid, because they, they tie very heavily with the gacha-based mechanics, and yeah. both of them are horrible. Yep. Yeah, that, that's the only way. I can think of that specifically with sort of racing games, but I'm sure that's... Uh, oh, it's, it's for so many things. Even, even Tiny yeah, Tina right now has genre. That. That's just because um, it most recently hit me in, in Forza Horizon. Yeah, no, it's it's on pretty much every game I've played. Especially if you play anything that is a mobile game, that is a that is like it's, if it's not in that game, I would be surprised. Yeah, but who the fuck plays mobile games? <laughs> There's a whole bunch of uh, people that play so like like the fake games and stuff like that. But again, they're all gotcha games. All the mums playing Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> do they have time games and stuff in Candy Crush? They probably I, do. I'm Got to form an addiction somehow. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, hopefully that answers your question, Tom. If you or someone that you know has a question that you would like us to answer, let us know. We have a mailbag at fasttravellounge at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at Fast Travel Lounge and Twitter at Fast Travel Lounge minus one of the L's. Uh, I think that's it for the socials. Um, that does also bring us to the end of episode 17. If you've liked what you're hearing, feel free to give us a like, follow, uh, I don't know what other platform-dependent ways you have of showing your support, but we appreciate it if you do. Uh, that does bring us to the, episode, uh, to the end of episode 17, though. Um, any quick teasers for what people can expect next week? I know mine will be Tiny Tina Wonderland's continued. Anyone else? I have I no clue. Tiny Tina's Wonderland. Uh, it's, it, the, the more you talked about like the D&D &D side of it, the more interested I got. So I might give that a go. I'll have to see. Um, I'll wrap up a bit more Kirby, and I'll probably end up finishing Pokemon Black, or at least progressing. For me, I have no clue at the moment. My mind's going all over the place. Like, I'll I'll probably touch on some more Pokemon. Um, I got Endgame of Stranger of Paradise too. That isn't tied to any trophy progression. But yeah, maybe I'll go back to Elden Ring and try to uh, get through more of that as well. Should finish it. Yeah, I'm nearly finished New Game Plus now. I've got 120 hours in that now, I think. Honestly, if I didn't ha if I didn't play Stranger of Paradise, I probably would have finished it by now. Such a good game. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I've been Patrick. You've been listening to Fast Travel Lounge. I've been joined by Seth and Josh. Hopefully we have Steve back next week. But from us here, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.